Before today's show, we'd like to take a moment of silence to remember the late Bobby the Brain Heenan. Rest in peace, Brain. Ace Podcast. Hey everyone, this amazing ESO Network show is brought to you by our fine sponsor, Amazon.com. Please remember to shop Amazon for all your geeky needs, no matter what time of the year it is. All you need to do is go to esopodcast.com slash esoamazon, or click on the Amazon banner on the ESO Network webpage to go to our e-store. It's the best way to shop and the best way to support this program, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Okay, that's enough of me babbling for now. Now on with your regular scheduled show. Hi, this is Mark. Congratulations. You have found this amazingly awesome show. Chances are you're listening to it right now on whether it's iTunes or Stitcher Radio or some other mobile app that allows you to stream this amazingly awesome show to your ear holes. And I can't stress how awesomely amazing the show really is. But did you know that you can also catch the latest episode of this show on the Tangibound Network? That's right. Go check out TangibondNetwork.com. You can look them up and you can listen to it right there. It's even mobile friendly. What more could you ask for? Which means you can pull it up on your iPhone or your Android, even your Windows phone. Yeah, who has one of those? But still, point remains. You can do it. You can do it. Check it out. TangibondNetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. Check it out. I'm Chris Farrell from the official GunnaGeek.com podcast, a proud member of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're listening to now. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready, because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. It's our Fall TV Preview, a recap of Week 2 in the NFL. Gene Simmons opens up the vault. For a prize. And our top five Stephen King movies. All this and more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the pop culture cosmos. That was really bad pop. Oh, well, we'll deal with it. We need a sound effect for that. Like, I don't know, what's that? Something like that. Yeah, a little sound bite. Exactly. We thank you very much for joining us today. You know, internal critique here. We truly appreciate you being part of the broadcast. And I'll tell you what, it's another great episode we have lined up for you. But it wouldn't be a pop culture cosmos without my main man right here with me. He is the crime boss the head of the mafia at Humanica Media. It's Josh Peterson. What's up, my friend? Not much, man. I was uh, just looking at a picture of a spider here. Like, it was a wolf spider. It had all, like, little tiny babies all over its back. It's terrifying. But, you know, that was... I, I don't know what it is, man. Like, I'm not scared of spiders, but I just... they, I just don't want to be near them, you know? You and I both, let me tell you, I get the uh, bug spray out all over your screen if i was right there so that'd be my instant reaction we truly appreciate again you being part of the broadcast and i'll tell you what we've got a great lineup for you today rob mccallum's dropping by he's gonna drop some knowledge we're gonna talk a little bit back and forth about i guess an unusual request 
that maybe is not so unusual in light of everything that's going on in today's day and age in the music scene. Plus, we've also got Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Podcast stopping by. But also, as well, it's our fall TV preview and our good friends at the TVRatingsGuide.com. They are stopping by and telling us exactly what's going on within the world of television. We're going to go back and forth on some shows and some networks. What's good? What's not so good? What looks promising? What looks like it's going to be? <laughs> That's going to be a part of our broadcast this week on both our Monday and Friday shows. So check it out. Again, it's TVRatingsGuide.com. And Hunter and Jessica from the TVRatingsGuide.com are going to stop by a little bit later as well. So... A great episode indeed, but Josh, tell you what, the It movie is still scaring up audiences big time. It looks like it's going to garner about $60 million this weekend domestically at the box office, which is, you know, is still a great holdover for a movie that really did exceedingly well last weekend. So audiences are still packing them in for these great Stephen King adaptations, well, the ones that are perceived to be great. Uh, there was Dark Tower last month that didn't do so hot. But I ask you, Josh, what are your thoughts exactly on the It movie? How is it being shaped for a, a great sequel? And also as well, what is it about Stephen King adaptations that really seem to get audiences, when they're done well, packing them in? He's kind of going through a renaissance of sorts lately with all of his films. Granted, The Dark Tower was slightly disappointing. You know, there's still time to write that train should they want to give it another chance. You know, we've talked about this before, like being scared is kind of a, a novel feeling. And when you adapt a Stephen King property, you get you get terror and you also get a you, you get a good story. Like that's I, the one thing because I, I did see it on I saw it on Thursday night and it was uh it was really good. Like it wasn't your your typical horror movie. It was creepy, but it it had a really good. It was just, it was an all out like super good movie. Like it the moments that you know a lot of the characters made like uh, one in particular made you like feel you know you felt connected to one character, and there's one character who's kind of the comedic relief, and then it kind of it's this whole story. It's not just a a story of you know, a murderous clown, but it's also a story of growing up and coming of age. Like it's, it's very interesting in, in that aspect. And it's, it's pretty close to the book. And I, I don't know, man, like I just, I, I saw it and I was pleasantly surprised by like how good it was. I walked out wanting to see it again. Well, that's actually the best feeling you can get. Cause if you want to go see it again, that's, that's exactly what it's supposed to do. It is supposed to do so i'll tell you what it, it's a great uh, great thing indeed because the box office has sorely needed something like this to to come out and with more great movies on the way it's just awesome indeed to see this particular stephen king adaptation doing so well at the box office but that leads me into something else here as we talk a little bit about some of the great adaptations that have come out for the Stephen King novels or short stories or what have you from the Stephen King universe. So I ask you, Josh, in light of all that, what are five of your favorite and you consider the best Stephen King adaptations that have ever made it on to the big or small screen? That's tough because there's been some, there's been some pretty bad ones made. Okay, so let's... let's well, that, that's true. I, I won't give you that. I mean, we could come up with 10 right now that are really horrible, but I, I want to go with the five best that you got. 
Shawshank Redemption is probably my favorite. It, the new one. I did really enjoy Dreamcatcher, The Shining. Love The Shining. I, I you know, it's it's I'm I'm okay with taking with not saying that it's the best, but I do really enjoy that movie. And then five would be, I don't know, man. Like I. I, I think I got to go. I know it's a super cheesy movie, but I got to go with the Langoliers because I remember watching that movie as a kid and I was enthralled by it. And it just, uh, I watched it every time it was on USA, I would watch that movie. So I'm going to go with uh, Langoliers as my number five pick here. What about yours, Gerald? Well, I think I'll start with, uh, I'm a little bit off the beaten path when it comes to Stephen King adaptations because I really like the ones that don't, actually traditionally go in the direction that Stephen King movies go as far as for scaring and and fright and horror all the time but you can't always avoid it because he is a master at what he does so he is obviously the best at that and but he also does a lot of great things outside that realm uh, I recently uh, as I stated before read the Mr. Mercedes book and I thought that was pretty good can't wait to see the the audience network version of that. I'd like to see that as well, but I haven't seen that as yet. So here's my five that I'd like to see, uh, you know, thought of as as very very good adaptations. They're my, I guess I'd say my favorite that going forward as far as at least now because I have not seen it as of yet and I plan to. So I'll tell you what, it comes down to this for me. Number five, Stand By Me. I think that that's a, a great adaptation of a Stephen King novel. I just I enjoyed it thoroughly back when I watched it, and, and now you know, it just makes me uh, almost nostalgic when, when I uh, go through it again and catch it on the TV. So it's definitely a great story indeed. Misery. That one I saw in the theaters way back in the 90s when I came out. And obviously, it's the movie that... That movie that, was tough. Like, that was... It was a good movie, but it was painful to watch. Like, not, yeah. not like, bad painful, but it was physically painful to watch. And I, can, I know why, absolutely. And it is a little slow at times, but Kathy Bates' performance and James Caan playing off of her... Obviously, that's the movie that sparked her career to where it is today. And I'll tell you what, yes, that movie is really painful. That scene is probably one of, for me, one of the most gruesome I've ever seen in the in my history of film as far as the, well, I don't want to give it away because I'll let you go see it. But there's actually this one scene in there that's truly, truly horrifying. And that uh, jump by the edge of your seat type deal. And it just really made for an overall very good experience like i said a little slow at times but then again it lends itself to that but overall it's an extremely well-made film and uh, kathy bates performance is just was just off the charts and obviously that got her such uh, i think oscar nomination win i think if, if not memory serves and obviously a lot of acclaim at, and and success after that so number three for me would be the shining I know it's a lot of critics' choice as the number one, and Stanley Kubrick is a master filmmaker, and it is very good. I, I love the way visually how, how it, it looks. It's one of the best visual movies from that time frame because the way the snow is captured, the way the house is captured from all those angles, the way it, uh, especially near the end with Jack Nicholson's character morphing into 100% that killer mentality. And 
obviously it is a, to me and, and to a lot of other people are so great indeed. I know it's a lot of people's number one and it just misses that cut for me, but I, I still very, very excellent number three choice. Uh, number two is the mist. The mist is something that I think a lot of people may have not caught, but if you get a chance to watch it on the small screen, I think you should take every chance to do so because I think that is a very underrated movie in its own right. I think that's just, it's very, very good how it was captured. The person who directed it, Frank Darabont, he has experienced before with other Stephen King adaptations. And he used that uh, obviously to his defense as far as how he, he made the film. And he, as uh, he described it as well, in interviews, he actually used a different type of, of filming sequence uh, and, and shot the movie very quickly and used, uh, I guess, a lot of almost like a TV mentality because he had been working on The Shield and he'd been directing episodes of The Shields and he took that part of that crew to help make The Mist. And I think it just plays off really well. And it, it comes off really, especially the ending. The ending to me is just uh, really makes it uh, bring home as, as one of his best adaptations. And number one is another Frank Darabont, Stephen King adaptation. I've said it before. Uh, I'll say it again. It's actually on my list of my top 25, which you can catch on the popculturecosmos.wordpress.com site. And it is the Shawshank Redemption. I, I just, that movie is just so well made uh, and so beautiful as far as in so many ways. The acting is just top notch from the entire cast. And the way it's the story is portrayed from point A to point Z, it's just so well done. And I think that far and away that that is the best Stephen King adaptation I have ever seen. The Green Mile also comes up uh, a little bit short of that context, so I do want to also uh, give that some love. But there and there's some others obviously as well. But definitely for me, it's the Shawshank Redemption uh, as far as that. So uh, I do want to go back to the Mist for a second. Yeah, the, the ending, like, when I saw that movie, I didn't really appreciate what they were trying to do because the ending had had kind of left a disgusting taste in my mouth, and then later on I sort of appreciated it, but I really loved the way that that movie was not trying to hide any of the violence from, like, the book, any of the grotesqueries that were in there. And they even, in the beginning, uh, when they show that house, there's a painting of Roland Deschain from the Dark Tower hanging on the wall, and that was a very cool shout-out. But... The thing, that, like with a lot of Stephen King's horror properties, you don't really appreciate them until you kind of learn the backstory. You kind of learn how they're all connected to each other through the Dark Tower novels, and that just makes his his like that whole like all of his books so much better because it feels like you're not just reading singular stories; you're building up towards something. Like it's uh, it's like watching Marvel films in succession to each other. So that's always a that's kind of a neat thing that he did. Well, also as well, it makes you sad in a way because of what happened with the Dark Tower movie and how it had so much opportunity to give those shout-outs and correlate all those properties, but in the end it chose not to do so and it chose not to even correlate that story in and of itself very well either, correct? Right. They, I mean, they did have the shout-out to Pennywise in the uh, amusement park, but they, as far as I know, they haven't canceled any of the Dark Tower stuff coming out. So, like, there might there might be time to write the ship, and, and I hope that they do, because, like, even in the books, like, they do talk about the creatures from the mist, and that is a was a really cool callback to me. 
What are your thoughts out there on the Stephen King universe? And also, what are your favorite Stephen King adaptations? Is there any chance that you, that you, you like some others that we didn't choose? Agree with our observations on the best Stephen King adaptations? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, Humanica Media, and Game Source on Facebook and Twitter as well. And while I have you here, Josh, you've got a lot of great things going on with Humanica Media this week. Please share us your thoughts on what's going on within the wonderful, wonderful world of Humanica Media. Uh, it's just the same old stuff, man. Uh, you know, we got new. Okay, I, I give you this wonderful, wonderful world, and you're like same old stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's because it doesn't really change much. Like, I don't have anything new to offer, but it's, uh, you know, we'll have a new Super BS on Monday, new Attack the Humanikin, which is probably going to be Super BS. You can check out Inside Sports. There's going to be a new one up Thursday nights, and we'll have a, you can check out the last episode of What About This, which is up on online right now on iTunes. You know, we're going to have a new Guardians of the Geek recording next, this coming Sunday, so You'll have that to look forward to. And, um, yeah, just keep following the pages. Check us out on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, whatever your social media poison is. Uh, we're probably on there. Yeah, we definitely are. Josh and I, I think half our life is spent on social media just trying to get the word out there on how good our shows are. We really are proud of what you know we work. And we don't say this in a immodest fashion. We just try to do the very best to put out some good stuff. And we think we do. So, and if you do really like what we have to offer, we first of all, we truly appreciate it. And if you can share those reviews, share those thoughts with other people and get them in tune with our shows, it helps us out as well. Because as we'll talk about a little bit later on in the show, as we close out, We'll talk a little bit more about the podcasting phenomenon. It helps podcasters out so much when, from a grassroots effort on how good a podcast can be and how good a podcast can become with your support and, and just sharing the word on, on whether or not you like a podcast or not. So if you do one of our podcasts, whether it's Humanity Media Podcast or the Pop Culture Cosmos Podcast, we just truly appreciate you taking the time to listen and enjoy our podcasts indeed. So it's going to be a great episode out there. We've got, like I said, Rob McCallum, Tyler Baker, and the TVRatingsGuide.com on deck. What a packed show again, indeed. So we truly appreciate you joining us. But first, we've got our good friend Chad and Hyper Schmidt. As always, a Monday staple on the Pop Culture Cosmos. And this is one of his great songs, which you can find today on YouTube on the Hyper Schmidt channel. That's H-Y-P-E-R-S-C-H. M-I-T-T. That's Hyperschmidt, and this is Fine You, and this is the Pop Culture Cosmos. I needed the truth, I'm looking for you, I'm waiting for you. I know that I found a song in the sound, a moment for me, I've tried it for she. She needs you more than you know, to know she won't be let go. Was so much more than their goals A keeper The ground will stay soft for long I cannot sleep when she's gone I think I just wrote a song To free her
with the smoke in your eyes Yeah, you're scared Cause you fell to the side You know I'd never lie And with this promise I'd make My words are not gonna break I don't care how long it takes I'll be there And it was you all along The one who gave me my song All of this pain makes me strong I'll be there You held your heart up when you buried it deep You closed your eyes and then forgot where you sleep I'll find a way to tunnel underneath I will find you, find you, find you, find you You held your heart up when you buried it deep You closed your eyes and then forgot where you sleep You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. For the latest reviews and opinions on everything pop culture, head on over to our brand new site, www.popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. And we're back with the show. This is Gerald Glassford from the Pop Culture Cosmos. My name is Gerald Glassford. We truly appreciate you being part of the broadcast again. And... It's that time again. It's time for some more pop talk. And here back with me again is my good friend, the director of Nintendo Quest, Missing Mom, and so many other projects, including Kitty, the anthology, and also as well, Box Art, the great upcoming series. And he's got a great new documentary that just earned a a ton of acclaim last week when it debuted, which he will tell you more about. It's Rob McCallum. How are you, my friend? I'm uh, doing well. Well, I'll just let you take it away on some of the uh, hottest pop culture topics that you want to talk about, my friend. So I leave it over to your good hands. What pray tell is on your mind? I'm going to switch gears to the music side of things. This is something we don't really talk about a lot on this show. I don't know if you guys talk about it extensively on the other podcasts that we have as part of our little network here but gene simmons has finally opened up about this long durating this long gestating uh project that he's been hoping to get out there it's been called a bunch of different things it's been called monster it's been called vault it's been called a bunch of different things it it is officially called the vault and it is a box set 
of 150 songs of never released material by Gene Simmons, of course, of Kiss, the bass player from Kiss. And it includes uh, notable rock and roll artists from uh, Kiss past and present, of course, and other cameos like Bob Dylan and uh, Eddie and Alex Van Halen during like the Love Gun era where there was a bunch of songs that were recorded but never released. Now, this material has been teased to fans for years and years and years, okay? Now, you can finally get it, but it's incredibly expensive. For $2,000, you can attend one of 20 experiences that are across the world in which you'll get this box set of all these CDs handed to you, personalized and autographed by Gene Simmons. For 25 grand, you can attend one of 11 producer experiences, which basically get you to hang out in a recording studio with Gene while you're listening to tracks from the vault. And for 50 grand, Gene Simmons will deliver all this kind of stuff to you and up to 25 of your friends at your house, and you can hang out for two hours with the God of Thunder, as, as the kind of promo stuff says there. You know, he was asked, you know, is Kiss getting another album? Are they going to do it? He goes, why would I spend six months to a year doing an album when people are going to instantly download it for free? So this is the only way you'll ever be able to get this kind of new music from Kiss. Kiss is not a charity. And that made me think, have we found a way around online piracy yet? And what is the value of music and movies in our world? It's not as much as it used to be because I think with the turn of the century and the rise of Napster, that devalued the music industry as a whole as far as what you can do and what you can profit from it. I'm just hoping he'll, you know, there's rumors of him getting back in some form or fashion with Ace Freely, and that would be nice to, to see those two back together again. But uh, that being said, I think with, with you know, I know Josh talked, actually was joking about it uh, on one of our previous episodes, but it was a reality earlier this century where Napster was such a huge force within the industry as far as from a pirating standpoint and, and you know, people having access to so many songs so easily without having to pay for it. And it's just at this point in time, uh, you know, him wanting that type of people will pay for that. I guess that they're really diehard Kiss fans and you know, leave it to Kiss to mass merchandise something like this at this level, seeing how they are the pretty much the one of the first to go ahead and really mass market themselves as a musical group, uh, as far as you know, with the the whole idea of, of memorabilia and you know, from everything from lunch boxes to you know, the entire action figures, comic books, movies, parents, cartoon series, you know, yeah. the whole nine, the whole nine yards. So they were pretty much the instigators for that, all of that. And I, this doesn't surprise me at all as far as, especially with the high price tags involved, because you and I have seen this with other aspects of the pop culture environment, you know, wanting high prices. I mean, we see this all the time with video games where if you want the collector's edition that really doesn't do much for you, that isn't so rare, it's not going to become a valuable collector's item. It's just a high price statue or, or something like that. We see that all the time when we're dealing with video games. So this doesn't come to any shock to me. And obviously in today's Kickstarter, Indiegogo, GoFundMe environment, this doesn't really seem to be much of a stretch at all. And if somebody really wants that that experience and wants to pay $50,000 for it, I guess, go ahead and do it. But to me, it's, it's not for me, but it's not for most people out there as well. So See, I, I guess I, I gotta, I gotta, 
pick a bone here with you and on a point of point that you made earlier there you said napster has devalued music and entertainment i don't think it has i think it's done actually quite the opposite i think it has actually shown the value and shown how voracious we want to devour media if anything it has like really reinvigorated the value of content and media and how how quickly we can absorb it all and churn through it and binge watch and see things and and you know comprehend it and want more and more and more this is of course a different kind of value than maybe you were getting at in terms of the monetary sense versus the actual value with a capital v of what this material is and it's a place of importance within our world but i think it really shows that we need this stuff we're seeing maybe a triple a artist if you want to call kiss a triple a artist saying no the only way you're going to get this is by paying two thousand dollars i'm guessing with the idea of whoever's going to pay for two thousand dollars would not want to just give it away for free by uploading it so everybody else can have it my thought was well what's going to stop somebody that buys this from doing that i guess you know if they're shelling out so much money then that then that's going to stop it but i think because of the three things that i mentioned to get it you're really paying for the experience to hang out with Kiss and Gene Simmons. You're not really paying for the music at that point. The music is ancillary. You're, you're getting that opportunity. Yeah, and that's basically it's just a personal appearance fee from that point forward. It, that's what it feels like to me anyways. Rob, it's always great to talk to you, especially bringing up the latest topics in pop culture. You're always welcome to come back on the show to do so. I always love these great pop talks whenever we get a chance to to chat right here on the Pop Culture Cosmos. Get ready for Box Art, a gaming docuseries from Pyre Productions and Rob McCallum Films. And if you love video games, chances are there's a box cover or cover image that you love and has stuck with you for decades. In our series, Box Art, we travel across North America to visit with the unknown illustrators and artists responsible for creating the most iconic gaming images of all time. What was once scheduled to be a 90-minute documentary is now a six-episode season packed with unbelievable tales that paint a picture of the gaming industry you've never imagined. Just one of the many pop culture projects from Rob McCallum, Empire Productions. And we're back with the show. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop. Culture, Cosmos, and Game Source. We truly appreciate you being part of the broadcast here today. And oh my goodness, we had our fall movie preview. We had our fall video game preview. But it wouldn't be Pop Culture Cosmos without a fall television preview. And I'll tell you what, I'm so excited because who better to tell everyone out there what to look forward to this TV season than our good friends at the TV Ratings Guide at tvratingsguide.com. You check it out today because there is no better detailed base of stories and articles on the TV ratings scene than from them. And I've got two of their excellent writers returning again, like a rerun on syndication that you just keep watching year after year after year. It is Jessica Boggs and Hunter Vaught. I'll tell you what, and welcome back to the Pop Culture Cosmos. All right. And then Hunter, great to have you back on as well. Yeah, it's great to be here again. All right. Awesome. Awesome indeed. And I'll tell you what, a few shows have already debuted and 
all fresh and all these shows where we're going to do awesome in the ratings and we're going to do great and it's fantastic. And then a month later, you're already going to be starting to write articles about how these shows, uh, some of these shows are, are canceled or on the brink of, you know, elimination already. And it's going to be all juicy. And that's the part I like best. And, and why is this getting a 0 0.3 when it should be getting a 2.8? Yes, indeed. So uh, Jessica, I'll start with you. What shows do you see that are really going to make a splash that are debuting this year on either broadcast or cable television? On ABC, we're expecting The Good Doctor, but on CBS, it's a toss-up call between Young Sheldon and some of the other dramas. Well, with Young Sheldon, that's obviously fact that it is a relative and obviously a precursor to what the big bang theory has done do you think that there's going to be some maybe some fatigue when it comes to the big bang theory because it's been around for so many years that people are not going to watch the young sheldon or do you think because it is part of the big bang theory scene that it's going to get that huge bump because of it it may have some kind of a huge bump with the big bang theory with the franchise attempting to keep fresh, but I don't see it as being as successful as Big Bang, but it'll probably have its own success. Okay, and then also as well, Hunter, are there any shows that you think are gonna stand out with any broadcast or cable shows that, that are debuting this year that are gonna stick out to, with audiences this year and are gonna be a breakout hit in their own right? Yeah, there are a couple that I think will do well. First, I want to talk about Young Sheldon. And uh, I think that one definitely will premiere really well, since it's premiering after the season premiere of The Bang Bang Theory. Uh, yeah, that's at least yeah. it's going to be Big Bang. Do you see it, though, branching off? Or do you see it staying there this year with it and then being moved to another day if, if it does well on CBS? That's quite likely, because CBS would probably want to use the lead-in of The Big Bang Theory on a new show next year and that might be their last chance to because that could end up being the last season of the big bang theory at that time and so when young child it moves that's really be the show's test because it'll probably perform well this season but in season two you're not sure what how it's going to do especially since it's so different in style from the big bang theory so we're going to really see if big bang theory viewers embrace it or not which is really uncertain Yes, I, I can't agree with you more because that seems to be a traditional TV situation where you have a successful spinoff following behind that show and then it gets moved to a different day, pretty much set to the, you know, send it to the wolves, you know, whether or not it's going to stick or not, it, it's up to, you're hoping that audience will follow with it. Yeah, a spinoff that's so different from the main show, it's really, it could totally fail away from the Big Bang Theory or it could hold up because it has new viewers that really like it. Now, Jessica, first let's talk about you know, one of your favorite networks at the TV Ratings Guide, and that is the CW. How is the CW doing these days, and what's their prognosis for this fall season? I gotta say, I don't think it's looking good overall, especially when you have Dynasty and Valor at the same time. You had a lot of them has mostly positive reviews, but I'm not really sure that Riverdale is going to be a good lead-in for it. Well, Riverdale was like on the fence for being renewed last year. Is that correct? Yes, it was. 
Then so I'll then that, the you're time. right. That, that <laughs> that's not the best lead-in in the world. I can tell you that much. And then, I'll, but there are other great CW shows that you think might click with audiences. Correct? It could, but I don't expect Valor to click with audiences, despite the fact that it has an international type deal where it airs on international networks. Dynasty has a Netflix 24 deal, and basically it airs on Netflix 24 hours in other countries after the show airs. So that's very important when you consider your, especially now, that makes you, you know, your job at the tvratingsguide.com a lot more difficult when you're thinking your renew, cancel type database, is that correct? That's correct. Now, Hunter, I want to ask you in regards to a show that came out and already has debuted, you know, obviously to pop culture fans uh, like I am, that it's something that maybe can stick with audiences. It looks like from your observations at the tvratingsguide.com that the Orville so far has gotten off to a decent start despite um, uh, reviews including yours personally, that would say it's not exactly the greatest thing since sliced bread. Your review is a lot kinder as far as uh, the tvraisedguide.com as a whole. I know you didn't write the uh, review, but your site uh, gave it a more positive review than a lot of other places. What's the Orville's situation now, and how does it look going forward, at least in the short term, with audiences? Yeah, that's an interesting one. Critics were not a fan. It, like if you look at sites like Metacritic or Rotten Tomatoes, which take like the critics' reviews, it has a really low score. I think around but, seventeen to twenty is last time I checked. Yeah, it's really not good there. Not doing well there. But um, in the ratings, it's only had one episode so far, which was boosted by a football game. So it's it's, even, it's hard to tell anyway with the first episode usually, but it's even harder with this kind of lead-in. It got up to a strong start. It did much better than Son of Zorn, which had a similar premiere last year, despite having to air a full hour after the football game while Son of Zorn was just a half an hour. So it looks like it could perform well. And there's actually a lot of regular viewers that seem to really like it. Like, we had, there's a poll on the review on our website, and, it, and the people who read the review seem to really like the show. So it seems to be something that critics aren't really a fan of, but a lot of viewers are. And the premiere rating kind of indicates that. So we'll see what happens. But uh, it normally will air on Thursdays at 9 after Gotham in its regular time slot. And that'll be the real test. So yeah, that's definitely a good sign for Orville fans. I will stick with the show short term. I... Did not think the show stunk, but I do not think it's it's great either. I think it's just there uh, so far, but I'm willing to give it another shot and see how it pans out. And I'm, I think that's what uh, I think a lot of other people are doing as well. They did love it, but I think they just are willing to give it more chances. And, and I think that's going to bode well for Seth MacFarlane and John Favreau, who are executive producers on the show, to try and tweak some things with it and make it a little bit more appealing to audiences on a general nature. So I'm hoping for good things there. Jessica, I want to ask you as far as, is there some shows maybe on NBC that you think might uh, stick out and, and break out from the pack 
this fall season? Well, Will and Grace is rebooting. At first it had like 10 episodes, then it was up to 12, and then 16 episodes. I don't think it has a full season because of Eric McCormick's schedule because he films this Canadian sci-fi series on Netflix. But still having 16 episodes for a show that I don't believe has debuted yet is still a strong sign that the network has confidence in its in its programming, correct? Well, yeah, but also in a way, they probably don't have much confidence in the rest of their comedy brand. <laughs> That's probably true as well. With Superstore going into its third season, hopefully it doesn't premiere as fractional as it was in the spring. It didn't do as well, but you have trial and error and great news coming back. And I'm really surprised great news is airing in Will and Grace's outer at the 930 part. I'm kind of really surprised about that because we all thought it was going to get canceled, but it didn't. Well, there are actually a few shows we thought that the uh, end, and I think none of these TV rating sites, yours included, there was a few more than expected that actually were renewed. Like, for instance, My Elementary. I have no idea how Elementary stays on the air. I know they've got that sweet syndication deal, but even with its ratings on Sunday night, I'm sure I would have pulled the plug as well. Well, yeah, but luckily it got renewed, but it's only for 13 episodes, probably just to finish off the deal. But Quantico also got 13 episodes, and it will be in its third season. So that means it doesn't automatically get a renewal for the syndication. Because the goal is 88. I'm, I'm correct, if I'm not mistaken? On CBS, it's 100. On CW, it's at least 70, 70 to 80. And for the rest, it's 88. When it comes to elementary, I have a feeling you're right. It's going to be like, the final season on elementary. Check it out today at the worst time slot in all of broadcasting <laughs> television at Sunday at like 1030, you know, just before the news and, and not even at 10 o'clock, which makes absolutely no sense to me. But I'll tell you what, it's, hey, I'm not, not drawing up these schedules. So, um, but that's why you got to stay in tune with the tvrainsguide.com. They've got great reviews. Great articles, great in-depth looks at not only the present as far as TV ratings are concerned and shows and re- that are on the air that they review, but also a look at past years and past seasons and how they trended for networks or type of comedies or, or dramas or what have you. And they break everything down and look at exactly how those seasons unfolded. So th- that's also some interesting reading there. They've got a great staff of writers that just produce some quality material. So definitely check it out. That's the tvratingsguide.com, the tvratingsguide.com indeed. And Jessica Boggs and Hunter Vaught, glad to have you both back right here. Oh, yes. Yeah, hoping to come back. (laughs) Awesome indeed. And this is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Rob McCallum Films is back in 2017 with a vengeance. This year, we're set to release Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion-dollar franchise, Masters of the Universe. See exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of Eternia, a place full of magic and science, and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation. Power of Grayskull drops this year and is just one of our many projects at Rob McCallum Films. And we're back with the show. This is the Pop 
Culture Cosmos. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you being, again, part of the broadcast here today. And don't forget, if you download or stream the show on over a dozen of our streaming and podcasting options, remember, you always get bonus content that always comes as a little package of love right here from the Pop Culture Cosmos. Well, it's week two in the NFL's just about over and and everything's uh, pretty much wrapped up in a nice tidy little bow and everything looks real you we're actually starting to feel out some of the the teams and how they're progressing and who better to break down just for a few minutes here week two in the nfl than my good friend he is the man in the know when it comes to fantasy football he is tyler baker of the fantasy football pater podcast which you can catch today on libsyn apple podcasts Google Play, Overcast.fm, and Player.fm. Tyler, it's always good to have you on the show, my friend. Ah, it's a pleasure to be on. Thank you for having me. Uh, indeed, indeed. And uh, well, I guess you know. First off, you were you know I was kind of worried. I thought he had reached a wall. I thought Giselle had just maybe <laughs> sent him over the edge into you know old age, uh, so to yeah, speak. But yeah. Tom Brady came back strong uh -huh. again, over 400 yards, touchdowns. Yeah. And I think I, I can see and, and almost see collectively thousands of fantasy football holders and, and you know teams and, and owners have a collective sigh of relief, correct? Yes, yes. Uh, how often do the Patriots lose two games in a row? And how often does Tom Brady have two bad games in a row? It does not happen very often. And man, he put an exclamation mark on it today, completed 30 of 39 passes. Out of 39 passes, he completed 30 of them for 447 yards and three touchdowns. That is amazing. Well, and also as well, it clearly defines the Saints defense as really being porous. Ooh, so I, I, I and, and just my novice fantasy football self, I, but I'm sure you're going to probably tell everybody on your Tuesday, Thursday and Saturday podcasts that are going to be available this week that again, if you are playing against the yep. New Orleans yep. defense, you that's a sell. That's a sell. That right? is a defense to target. It sure is. And there are a couple more that I'm going to highlight this week. I haven't watched all of the game film yet because there were a lot of games today, but I'm going to go through all of those. And now that we have a couple of games in, we have a good indication of who these teams are. Now, there were some injuries today that are going to further define these teams. And a couple of those important ones, Corey Coleman, wide receiver for the Cleveland Browns, broke his hand. Greg Olson, the star tight end in Carolina, he broke his foot. They don't know how, lo how long he's going to be out. Randall Cobb hurt himself again. Gronkowski. Uh, Gronkowski hurt a groin, I believe, as, as well. We don't know anything on the status of it. I just know at this point in time, he, he did hurt his groin. He, he did have to leave the game. He did leave the game. After the game, he told the reporters he was fine, but you know, we'll see. It didn't sound serious, uh, but yeah, he had to leave the game. Also, Redskins running back, Fat Rob Kelly. It looks like he might have fractured a rib, and that opened the door for rookie Samaj P. Ryan to come in and get some reps, and he looked pretty good. And then Jordan Howard, the star running back for the Chicago Bears, he was dealing with a shoulder injury throughout the week, and he was limited in practice because when a, a running back has a shoulder injury, you want to take it easy because he leads with his shoulders. 
he was seen after the game with his shoulder, with his arm in a sling. So that was not good. But those are the big ones that could really change the dynamics of these teams, especially when you're talking about a guy like Greg Olson. He is a very big part of what they do. He has had 3,000-yard receiving seasons in a row. That is unheard of for a tight end. So that's a very big chunk of that offense that isn't going to be there. And in my show on Tuesday, I'm going to go through who we need to add and who we need to be looking at, who is going to come in and absorb that production that Greg Olson is going to leave behind. Oh, that's definitely some great updates indeed. That is again, Tyler Baker of the Fantasy Football Paydirt Podcast. Again, you got to catch it on Libsyn, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Player.fm, and also Overcast.fm as well. And just type in the Fantasy Football Paydirt Podcast. Plus also, he runs a great Facebook group too, also named the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast, where you can submit, hey, say, hey, Tyler, can you take a look at my lineup? Is that going to work? Or, hey, I want to pick up this guy, or should I drop that guy? You know what? You can ask those all those questions. I see him all week long answering all the fans and all the the, the team owners out there that do ask those questions, he answers them all week long for you in that Facebook group. That is Fantasy Football Pater Podcast right there, that group. I'll tell you what, he's answered a couple of mine as well. I yes, his picks have done great for me so far because I'm. looks like I'm about ready okay. to go 2-0. and oh, So I def- okay. that's great well, indeed. I've been, telling, I've been telling all of your listeners to keep an eye on Chris Carson, the rookie running back in Seattle. Now, even though it's a terrible offensive line and even though he has Eddie Lacy and Thomas Rawls ahead of him, he actually got the majority of the work today. And it looks like moving forward, that he is going to be the guy there. Now, granted, it's not the best situation, but he sure made the best of it. He had 20 rushes for 93 yards. That is pretty good for a guy playing behind an awful offensive line. And we've been talking about him for a couple of weeks now on, on, on your show, and he finally started making his move. Oh, that's, again, awesome to hear. Again, you got to check his stuff out. Fantasy Football Patriot Podcast, both the podcast and the Facebook group. And you'll get you know hints like this. But there's something before we head on out. I got to ask you something that I see trending that for me as someone who loves offensive football is kind of disturbing. But it also gives people a chance to focus on some other parts of the game where they can make up ground if they don't have exactly the greatest players up front as far as their flex, their wide receivers, or their running backs are concerned. And that is the area of defense because as you and I have both seen, there are some A, combinations, some pretty bad offenses, and B, there are some really good defenses out there that are scoring a lot of points. So Mm -hmm. I ask you, Tyler, is this a case where there's some really, really – bad offenses more often or are the defenses just turning it up a notch in in these several cases where we've seen some pretty outstanding defensive performances sure well i think the biggest factor at least in the beginning of the season is that there are a lot of rookie quarterbacks and there are a lot of guys playing quarterbacks like scott tolzines and and uh, guys that are just turnover prone and uh, uh deshaun kaiser the browns he yes. threw three interceptions exactly. hogan I, I think his backup threw, threw an interception as well so when the browns play pitch and catch i guess with the other team that also helps a lot as well <laughs> yeah yeah and there are some good defenses that are presenting themselves now jacksonville gave up quite a few points today but that is a defense that 
has always been poised to make a big step. They've had a lot of, they've put a lot of early round draft capital into that defense. And it's looking like those guys are starting to come together. Baltimore's defense is kind of under the radar. They are very aggressive. Now, the problem with those two defenses is that their offenses don't help them out a lot. In the same way with the Giants defense, the if the offense isn't spending time on the field, that defense can get tired. And so when you're talking about streaming defenses, which is something that I will touch on in this week's waiver wire report is defenses that you can pick. You don't have to draft a defense on your fantasy team and just keep them all year. You can switch them out. You can find good matchups. And that is probably a very good strategy to have going forward in this season because those defenses that we thought were going to be great, like the Arizona Cardinals, they're just not that good. So unless you have, like Denver's defense is great. Seattle's defense is great when the offense can keep them off the field all the time. But I think streaming defenses is probably something that people might consider. So if you have a defense that is facing, let's say Cincinnati, who has a terrible offensive line and has yet to score a touchdown this year, if you can pick up a defense that has a good defensive front, like those first five guys up front that can put pressure on the quarterback, that is probably going to be a defense that you want to target for your fantasy matchups. Oh, that's some great advice indeed. Once again, it's Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast. Catch it every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, or beforehand if you want to get those episodes earlier. That is going to be available again on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Libsyn, Overcast.fm, and Player.fm as well. Tyler, I'm looking forward to when we talk to you again on for the Friday show and you give Me us too. an update on who to talk about for week three in the NFL. It's wonderful being here. Thank you so much. Thank you. And as always, we appreciate you being part of the Pop Culture Cosmos. I'm Drew Leiter. And I'm Cleus Jacobs. We're here to tell you about our podcast, The Earth Station, DCU. Join us every week as we discuss the DC Universe. We talk everything DC, including comics, television, the cinematic universe, and so much more. We look forward to bringing you some great reviews and discussions. And don't forget, read, read more, more comics. comics. And we're back with Pop Culture Cosmos. To close out the show, this is Gerald Glasper from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you being part, again, of the broadcast and listening in. And we also want to thank Rob McCallum, Tyler Baker, and also as well, Hunter and Jessica from the TVRatingsGuide.com for joining us today. And check out our Friday show the pcc multiverse check it out 7 p.m eastern 4 p.m friday where we're going to have again the tv coming back for more great tv talk as part of our fall tv preview indeed and also check out the attack of the mannequin show 7 p.m eastern 4 p.m pacific on a podcast radio network they've got a lot of great things lined up i think the super bs games cast is going to be the show to talk about this time out you never know what's going to happen because that's just a great show and there's a lot of great things that that josh puts in there for you as well well josh we talk about a lot of great podcasts that are out there uh, including the the great ones that you have with humanity media but wanted to talk a little bit about the podcast medium itself because it has grown huge and exploded by leaps and bounds where there's people like you and I, the, the everyday individual out there that makes the podcast on their, their side, or whether it's not, it's the mass media celebrity uh, that's out there that does it. The podcast medium seems to be an exploding, exploding industry 
that's growing by leaps and bounds. Yeah, it's funny because like I I never it's kind of, it's relatively new and it's something it's all of a sudden it's just exploded. Like there there were a few podcasts and now there's you know thousands of podcasts out there and everybody's doing it and some of them aren't that good and there's a lot of people are just uh, kind of doing it as a hobby and that's cool but like we okay so we've reached this point now so first there's an explosion on youtube you know everyone wanted to get their news from video sources and they didn't want to sit there and read and now we can go to podcasts and dr on the drive home we can listen to news we can listen to people talk about entertainment we can listen to like more opinionated uh podcasts or topic driven or whatever you want to call it and you know it'll, it'll last an hour so if you're driving from work to home and you're sitting in traffic it's just it helps pass the time i know personally i listen to podcasts when i'm at work and it just kind of helps the day go by faster and it's just it's such a great way to both distribute and intake information that it's it's kind of because we we don't know people don't trust the news anymore you know you got fox news cnn you got all these other news sources bbc is you know they're okay because they're kind of an outside perspective on what's going on here but we don't trust the news. So why are we going to sit there and listen to the news? Why don't we just, you know, when we can just listen to a podcast and have somebody analyze the news and kind of get actually, actually get different perspectives on it. So we can listen to something about one topic and actually hear, you know, we can listen to a podcast by a liberal talk about, it, and then we can listen to a podcast by a conservative talking about, it, and we can kind of get two different opinions without having a, uh, you know, an on-air wrestling match like they do between Fox and CNN. It's a really great form of taking things in, and some of them are very intelligent. You got a lot of good minds helping you process some of this stuff. So it's, I think it's the wave of the future, like, and I, I only see it getting bigger from here. Well, as someone who has been doing it for a while since 2010, like I have, and someone who's fairly new to the podcast scene, with over a little over a year now with yourself, as far as doing creating these these great podcast adventures. It's great to, that we can have that kind of different look and view of the podcast scene because, yes, I, when I was doing it, they weren't as prevalent. They weren't as around when I started making podcasts. But it's nice to see the fact that I think podcasts are becoming so popular because it can fill every single niche that's out there for people that are what they're looking for, whether it's true crime, which people are just, go, you know, a lot of people just go gaga over, or whether they want to talk about movies or whether it's sports or whether it's fantasy sports or whether it's pretty much every single aspect of the realm. Somebody wants to learn or listen to maybe an hour, two hours of a certain topic and subject, they can just do so by typing it in in iTunes and boom, there you go. And I'll tell you what, it's just amazing to see the type of the diversity as far as among so many different podcasts that are out there. Yes, uh, a lot of them are homemade that don't really quite up to really great standard. But then again, you don't have to listen to it if you don't like it. And that's, that's one of the great things about it is that it's just not going to fill up the airwaves if you don't want it to. I mean, there are so many podcasts that are out there that only get listened to by very small amount, but they, but they do it because they love it. They do it because they want to share their opinion and have it out there for people just in case they want to listen to it. And yet there's so many people out there that are doing it, uh, I guess what is still under 10% though, of the podcasts that are truly, truly considered a, a top of the line successful podcast. So there's still 90% out there, which may be undiscovered or, or just base some that maybe some that are just doing it just for fun, which that's so so commendable to everyone that podcasts out there. 
But the great thing about the podcast industry is, and when you go to an Apple podcast, when you go to Google Play, when you go to an Overcast, player.fm, whoever has their lineup of podcasting shows, there's just something for everyone that you can find out there. And I think that's what makes podcasts so interesting that you can just go ahead and just listen to in the car, put on your earbuds, whatever, and just listen to it, you know, something that you specifically like and enjoy that you don't have to share with somebody else if you don't want to. Right. And there's, there literally is a podcast out there for everybody. It doesn't matter what you're into. Like there are some some sick topic podcasts out there. There's literally something for every everything that you could possibly be into. So it's I guess in a way you can call it custom entertainment. And when you're no longer being fed by those kind of podcasts, you can make your own. So it's great because you know it's I think that blog like blogs are cool, but blogs are probably soon going to go out of style in favor of podcasting and. What's great about podcasts, like especially for us, is that we can do, you know, we can do audio, we can do video version, and we can just shoot it out all over the internet. And, you know, somebody's going to listen to it. It doesn't matter. You know, it can be one or two people, but somebody will click on the link and hear what we have to say. And it's, it's just, it's kind of nice knowing that we have a way of getting our voices out there. Indeed it is. And I'll tell you what, I can't agree with you more on that. And it's just great being out there, being having the privilege of being able to podcast and being able to have the privilege to podcast with you, my friend. It's just always so great and awesome. Getting some tears. Okay, well, that being said, but it's just great podcasting with you anyways. Uh, and I truly appreciate anyone out there who does appreciate and enjoy our show and actually who comes back week after week, episode after episode and listening to what we have here at Pop Culture Cosmos, the PCC Multiverse, and also as well, the Humanican Media. So if somebody is uh, that you think would really be, you know, would really like the opportunity to listen to podcasts, but is still unfamiliar with working the medium and whatnot, get them involved in a podcast, have them listen to a podcast that you like today that you think maybe they like and get them into the podcasting universe because there's so much out there to enjoy indeed. And again, we are truly privileged and blessed to be a part of the podcasting scene. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise here in the pop culture cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself, all you great podcasters out there and podcasting fans, a great day. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at esonetwork.com. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. Tangentboundnetwork.com. Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos as a special treat. We're adding a bonus episode, which starts right now. So sit back and relax as you enjoy more awesome goodness from the Pop Culture Cosmos family. And stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Super. Super. Howdy doody, my gang. This is your buddy, bro, Brank, Braderson, Brian the Third, the Wagoner, the one you know and you love. Episode 25, September 14th. You thought it would never happen, but we did it. We finally got there. 
And who is this sitting to my right? Stage, is that stage right or, or right? Stage right. right. Stage uh, right. Person I'm literally, and everybody can see this because this is a podcast. I'm staring at this person right now. It's Donna. Donna. Hooray. And who is this, the man of the hour that I haven't heard from in a long time sitting across from me? Uh, it's uh, Stank Bank. <laughs> Stank Bank. Bank Stank Stankerson the third. Well, the party's all here. We dropped Jank. I'll, I'll also be Jank tonight, so whenever I ask you guys a question, I'll say, now let me ask you this. Yeah, just ask the question 10 more times because yeah. we don't have that enough. Should um, I be doing that tonight? Should I be Josh tonight? Uh, please. Okay. I, think I, know you, I know you love that. I think he'd be honored by having somebody just annoy the crap out of me over and over and over <laughs> oh, again. Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> well, Josh knows I love him and uh, he annoys me to death, but uh, yeah, you know, that's a love-annoying relationship. Um. Yeah. When it was, we are back. What have you guys been up to since the last time I talked to you? Uh. Uh. Dank, aka Madonna. Have you done anything cool? Uh. Yeah. Um. What'd you do? I went to a plastic surgeon's office, and he mm, nice getting those. The guy uh, recommended, right? Yeah. Getting those double dudes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, getting those double donnas. Double donnas on, man. I looked I'm, at the massive holes in my legs and, from my surgeries, and they put. Oh, you, you went. You really went to one. Really went to one. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. Well, did it? Was it successful? It was great. It was great. <laughs> Just a checkup. Okay. Did you uh, <laughs> get to do anything like play games or watch movies or anything? Yeah. While you were there, specifically. While you, yeah, I don't really care about after. I just this is about that moment. Um. Yeah. Um. Tap 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 um, tap tap through. <laughs> we were worried yeah. that the taps weren't getting picked up. Now they've changed a mic, so oh, we, have, we have a we have a tap mic set yeah. to the table. <laughs> well, I just the reason I tap is because I have reaccessed my account in Super Mario Run and played a lot of that this week. <laughs> oh, there you go. Nice, nice segue. Um, uh, you've been uh, getting all those gold coins from all those losers online. No, I've already maxed out all of that stuff. Okay. So I unlocked every character and everything that you need to do rally for, I've already done. So I'm going back through the main levels to collect the colored coins. And I did the pink coins like a year ago whenever, whenever it launched. Yeah. We're getting close to Did you to ever do the purple coins? I finished the purple coins and now I'm on the black coins. You play that Banks Tank, aka Dave? I don't play mobile games. And it if you listen to one. any <laughs> other episodes in this podcast, you will know that you both hate mobile games. Yeah. Yeah, but this is actually a really good mobile game. It is, is it really? Fun. Yeah. yeah I'd say it's pretty fun. And it's, yeah, we're not going to choose Secret of Mana on iPhone over Vita. <laughs> That's kind of what we're talking about. But there's, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's there's something to be said for a mobile game. I mean, Nintendo's a smart company. And they wouldn't throw out a Mario game that was terrible. Yeah, that's true. And yeah. they they made it work for phones. They didn't like, oh, let's have like really terrible phone controls. Yeah, trying yeah. to make it then just doesn't translate. Yeah, they did their own thing. Same thing as like Terra Battle, which I'll talk about later because there's a sequel coming out <laughs> in a week. So oh, really? It's um, but lots uh, changed since the last time we recorded when you talked about it. Yeah, but it's um, crazy. There, there are games that are designed with mo- like for mobile, not to like translate something that would, like it's not like a way to like oh let's take this thing that's great on a console or handheld and put it on mobile. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah. what can we do that only mobile can do? Yeah, that's so, the way to do it. That's what Super Mario Run is. Um, huh. It's so you really fun, it, Davey. Um, yeah, yeah not kind of, but okay. Yeah, it's it's great. <laughs> it's a great iPhone time waster. It is. Um, it's fun, especially like when you're going through it. It's way too short. That's the only thing. As I wish they made like 
a hundred more stages because yeah. I would have played all of them. Yeah, but, it is really uh, I wish this short. free game was infinite. It wasn't time. free. That's it's the thing. It's, it's kind of first, expensive. The first it's a world $10 is free. Game. And then the rest of the eight worlds Dang. are ten bucks for like $10. for a phone game. That's like you can it get might Heroes as well of be Might and Magic on the iPad I for know, ten bucks. Man. Yeah. Which is get, also a great port. You can get yeah. Final <laughs> Fantasy VI on uh, iPhone or iPad with terrible graphics, and but it's like seventy hour game. Yeah, that's more of a forty hour game. If you don't kill yourself, I feel like you could get seventy hours of that. You could. Yeah, if you're a bitch. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm a bitch. I'm a bitch. I'm a Shots fire. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a bitch. I'm yeah. I mean, we're not going to get sued. Everybody can uh, use that song. Oh, my gosh. Uh, that song reminds domain. me. What? It's public domain. <laughs> it's Is a that? public domain song. You should get a Charlie Kelly to ask him about, yeah. about public domain. <laughs> you need a bird lawyer on this. What have you been playing, Davey? I wasn't done. Well, we're going to talk about your game soon, my jerk. I wasn't done with what games I was playing. Okay. Oh, what, what other games are you playing? Um, I started playing... Uh, a game in the Witcher series, two. Witcher three, Witcher uh, two. Some friend of yours got you Witcher three for your birthday and said, "Hey, maybe you should skip Witcher two and actually just get to this because it's one of the best games you've ever played." Yeah, but everyone that's a big Witcher fan says Witcher two is you just have to play it. So. <sighs> oh man, I did not get too far in Witcher dose. Yeah, me neither. Witcher two did not get me it, too far. It's not a bad game. It just is really complex. Yeah, it reminds me a lot of Divinity. It is really complex. Yes. Um, and it's not the port for console, which I'm playing it on, is very weird for. I mean, and yeah, they didn't. It's their first console game. Yeah, like console but try. Most most people say the story is actually better in Witcher Two. Yeah, um, I've heard that, but I think the gameplay and the fact that you're probably gonna play Witcher Two for forty to sixty hours means you'd want it. Well, like, to it's be actually fun. your bitch. Well, I'm <laughs> sure I'll, I'm sure I'll get used to it. Um, it's not. It's not too bad. I mean, worst case scenario, I'll just turn the difficulty down or something. Yeah, I'm always a difficulty up kind of guy, uh, and and Brian always like this like, again has like a thing about that. So I, don't know. I say you play it on the normal standard difficulty. If uh-huh. it's too easy, they balanced it wrong. Right. If it's too hard, they balanced it wrong. So then you shouldn't make any changes, and then just blame it on them. Is that what you're saying? I so yeah, I think so. Like I beat Kingdom Hearts two on normer normal normer. Uh, Norman. Normer, Norbert, Norbert. I can't wait for Kingdom Hearts three, where we can finally find out what Normers are. <laughs> Normers. <laughs> part of the lore. That that's is the probably next, that's new, the next iteration of. It's probably a new character Sora's they're soul. making of. It's um, Normer ship. It's the new gummy ship. But no, Kingdom Hearts one on normal was actually really challenging and fun, and there was opportunities where you die. Kingdom Hearts two. I want to say I beat Sephiroth like the hardest boss in two or three tries on normal. Like it's Kingdom Hearts two is easier. It is, and like for me, that's like kind of a balancing issue on their part. Like if you play the game on normal, that's the standard that they want you to play. Did it at. you want to beat Sephiroth in Kingdom Hearts One for after trying it forever? Like no, I mean I didn't want it to be that hard, but I, I did. Mean, it's like Final Fantasy Twelve with uh, the oh, one that boss. Stupid boss! I'll never. It's beat like that. everything in the game on normal is super manageable. Yeah, except that. for that. But that's what I'm saying. That's a balancing issue. Like they right. should have, and that's something where the guy just wanted to be dumb and say, "Hey, this guy's gonna have a million HP." fight him for two hours or whatever is he a side boss at least uh yeah yeah you don't have to beat him to beat the game but it's like it's kind of like they give you these trophies before they had achievements and trophies in games and that i feel like he gets his own pirates then yeah he gets his own trophies that's why i always wanted that game to come to well it came out on ps4 finally but i want always wanted to come to xbox because i wanted achievements for it anyways what else have you been playing we got uh detracted from that um i think that's it mostly i mean i played a little bit of path of exile in the last couple weeks as well Get further? What level are you now? I'm like 37. I'm working on up, like unlocking the first round of like points for your class upgrade. Oh, okay. 
That's where you choose one of three specializations, right? Yeah, and you you have to defeat this dungeon on different difficulty levels um, to get more points for oh, okay for like the tree of that that specific tree. Okay. Um, Did you beat any of the like what act are you at in the game? Three. Oh, okay, I'm and that's when you can start four, yeah. doing the dungeon already. Yeah, because you have to. Um, you, there's a tr- there's a trial. There's one in Act One, one in Act Two. Or two in Act Two, and then three in Act Three. Okay. And there, when you explore other dungeons, there'll be a section of it that has like it's like ba- it's not platforming because there's no jumping. Yeah. But it's essentially like a platform maze where it's like spikes, and you have oh. to like make sure you run timed so that you don't get killed by spikes or flames or whatever. Do they kill you in one hit? No. Oh. Okay. But they. But if you get trapped, I mean, if you screw up majorly, you'll. Mm-hmm. You'll, you'll die, tank. Yeah. yeah. Diablo three has those, but I just kind of run through them because well, it's so they're, powerful. They're, it doesn't matter. They're really not that challenging. They don't let you. I mean, it would be hard just because I don't know if in Diablo they have like if you spend a lot of time in low level areas, like you stop earning experience at some point. Um, I think the character. I think the the monsters level up with you. Okay. I'm pretty sure. Oh, right. I don't think they do. In, I don't think they do either because yeah. we played six player and I went through the first place a lot of times and I don't think I got any experience. Yeah. So um, when you go through, like, you're not going to level to like an overpowered level. When you when you get to those places, um, but they're still not they're not super unmanageable. The hardest parts are the corrupted areas so far because they have like it's like a zone where the enemies are buffed or you're debuffed, and then the bosses are pretty hard. Um, but there's super good rewards. Yeah, that's I think, cool. I think that game for being free to play is is fairly amazing. It's one of the better free to play games. Yeah, I, I agree. I think they could have easily charged thirty or forty bucks and said, hey, this is. Like, cause I mean that that's still twenty bucks cheaper than Diablo, and it's got six player co op and a bunch of other stuff. I think yeah. five years ago they could have charged yeah. thirty or forty bucks for it. Game but came out five years ago or something. Did it? Yeah. It's not new. Yeah. It's yeah. just new to Xbox One. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just new. But yeah. it, cause it came out. I think it came out either before Diablo three or around I the think, same time. I think yeah. Because it now. was that was the buzz. Was it's I think it's Diablo two people that made it. Oh okay. Which is why part yeah. of why it's super popular because people that care about that. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, oh. it's weird because I definitely think I fall more in the Diablo 2 camp where I like the skill tree and all that stuff. But oh, hate that skill going tree. back like with how quick Diablo 3 moves, it is hard to be like, oh, man, this is the better one where it's really Diablo 2 is really slow. You yeah. know, you just slowly yeah. click an attack. Um, Davey, my boy, what you been playing? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I was also playing a little of Path of Exile. Um, nice. And I was playing it in conjunction with Diablo three, which is a hard. I know. Switch. I, I was thinking. I was thinking that if I wasn't playing Diablo three and just picked up Path of Exile, I would have. I would have gotten into it a lot quicker, but um, it just wasn't as smooth and wasn't as polished, and I just didn't want to play a game that was so similar. But it was just too easy for me to identify. Oh, for sure. Things They're... that it wasn't as polished and whatever. But I still like the game though, and definitely what you're saying for a free to play game, it's it's awesome. And I also love the fact that it's you don't have to invest 60 bucks in order to be yeah. decent at it and that's honestly one of the reasons why i don't play hearthstone anymore because i yeah. i've been out of it for like a few seasons now miss that game and dude i'm i have no idea what's going on i don't know any of the cards do they added death knights but not as a character class it's like a new card i don't know i've been reading a little bit about it but i fell off when they started doing uh, dinosaurs which was two or three expansions ago now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Bestiality mode to it. Yeah. yeah. Beast doing dinosaurs. Beast yeah. reality. Beast yeah. reality. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. I could continue, though. Yeah, Hearthstone's just, it's sad to me because I love that game played for two years. Yeah, I love Hearthstone. Um, anyways, uh, the other games I've been playing, 
I just kind of mentioned the two. Uh, the other game I've, I just recently picked up is Life is Strange. That's what I want to hear about. <laughs> uh, there you go. There you go. No, uh. <laughs> no um, I'm in the second episode. It's uh, it's cool. I like it. It um, it's it's very nostalgic of like high school, like Degrassi ish type stuff meets um, I guess I guess like a Stranger Things vibe to it, like J.J. Abrams type thing. Uh, I think maybe. this is a and this, sorry, I should probably move this. I think this is like a sequel too, because it's an old Life is Strange is an old one, right? No, Life is Strange. Yeah, Life is Strange is two thousand thirteen, thirteen or fourteen. No, no, no. There's an old one before that. I think. Oh, I don't even know about that. I don't think so. You're talking about Remember Me. The no, I'm not talking about Remember Me. I'm talking about okay. when Life is Strange was a computer game. I think. All right. Well, check that out. Well, I'm not playing that one. <laughs> I'm playing this one. Yeah, you're playing the that Xbox. That one was free on Xbox earlier this year, right? The first uh, episode. I yeah. Think. Well, the first episode's free permanently, but oh, I okay. think maybe the whole thing might have been free with gold. Yeah, maybe um, that's um that's five episodes. That's like twenty. 20 it's bucks. been ten bucks so oh, many yeah. times, so I wouldn't be surprised if they gave it's away. It's worth free. twenty bucks. I'm gonna I'm gonna pay full price for it. It's really fun. Um, well, didn't you already? No, I, you have to buy in episodes. Oh no, 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 no! They're, I tried. I, you can't. You can't really? buy it unless you have a code. Oh, weird. yeah, it's really strange. That's life like, is strange, right? Life is strange, man. Uh, yeah, I tried and it wouldn't let me. So, Who's, what do you think of Chloe? Because it's actually cheaper to buy it in episodes, though. It's three cents cheaper. I did the math. That's such a weird. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're uh, saving. What do that I think money? of Chloe? What are you gonna do with that whole fifteen cents Just when you're done? Invest it in stocks. <laughs> Segway. Well, I guess no, technically saying. twelve cents because the first one was free. So. <laughs> uh, anyways, how do, what do I think of Chloe? Yeah, the one that the the new game is based on. I really like Chloe because um, I mean, at first I hated her. Yeah, but you, she kind of makes you work for her friendship. And um, honestly, a lot of the characters in that game are are more hateable than Chloe, in my opinion. Uh, you really, go to, you go to school with a lot of really mean people and very strange people. And so when when you become friends with Chloe again, it was it was nice. Like I actually okay. I actually don't mind her. She yeah. is annoying, though. How is the time-traveling mechanic... I don't play many adventure games anymore, but how is the time-traveling mechanic in that one? Because that's kind of the interesting part of it. It's basically if you made quick-saving in Morrowind or Skyrim a mechanic in the game. It's just like oh. a quicker, much faster way to do it. But sometimes they they like do some obligatory time stuff just to do it. So, for example, you'll, be, you'll have to hide somewhere really quickly or you'll have to pick something up um, and there will be sort of a hidden object in front of you. And if you go and directly do the thing that you need to, something else will get in your way. So for example, you need to pick up a book that's on a, on a desk or something like that. And there is a, a half empty glass of soda right next to it. If you just grab the book directly, the soda will spill on the oh, book. My goodness. And then you have to rewind time. And it, it's like things that you are dumb does at least let you fast forward that part so like you just click the grab not on those but uh, you can the the mechanic is actually really fun when you're in big um situations okay the decision make or decisions that will impact the game basically so you'll go you'll go through the 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 cutscene, and then there'll be two options like do you do a or do you do b and if you choose incorrectly it'll tell you not incorrectly but it will tell you like what you did and hint at what the consequences are and then if you want to do it again, you just rewind and then you can skip and fast forward through all that dialogue to get to the um, decision making process again, which is fun because you can see how the main character reacts and you can see how the subject reacts to the choices that you make. Yeah, I've always found that to be like an interesting mechanic. I never got into Telltale games, but I've heard Life is Strange is great. Donna, did you end up getting Life is Strange? I feel like we've talked about this a I've lot of times. I've never played it. It was free at some point and I got it, but I might have, it might have been the 360 version that was free. 
I don't think it's on 360, man. I think yep, it's, it's on 360. It definitely could be. It's it yeah, came it's out. Not. It came out three years ago or two yeah, it's years 2013. ago. 2013. Really? Yeah. Okay. I just I keep thinking. No, it was, it's 2015. Okay. Yeah, they you wouldn't sure? be. It wouldn't be on. I'm looking 360. at Life is Strange. It yeah, would, no, it's on 360. Okay. Really? It's on. It's on Linux, Windows, Mac, th- PlayStation 3 and 4, and 360 and Xbox wow, One. Wow. Okay. I just I thought by 2015 we had pretty much dropped Xbox 360, but I forgot about that because so. shadows of mordor was the last game i remember and that was uh 2014 yeah and that was like the that and dragon age um but um there's not a there is a prequel there is but, are you talking about this and there's the game a sequel that just came as out? well but no i i must have i must have read something in an article that made it seem like it was bringing back like an old series or something okay um but i think one of the guys worked on gone home yeah, that that company is. I could see that. Yeah, and well, and then watch Twin Peaks a hundred times before yeah. they made the game. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I want to see Twin Peaks. No, well, you do not. I do. No, I do. I do. The new Twin Peaks or the old Twin? I've Peaks? I've never seen any of them. Oh, I want to watch them on Netflix. But uh, we'll talk about TV in a second. I want to tell you guys what I've been playing. <laughs> okay, yeah, um, that's fine. There's no Josh here. Ooh, oh my goodness. His balls. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm forgetting. Uh, I'm used to like having somebody. He's uh, got a mobile. He's got a mobile games. <laughs> I love all? that you're you're wasting the same amount of time that we would have normally. Well, I'm not used to it's this. Mobile, okay, I'm sorry. It's a mobile tapper. <laughs> it's just a mobile, taps his balls it's a mobile tapper. over and over again. I just tap 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 tap. Yeah. Is that free uh, to play or, or free to win? It's free. It's 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 pay to win if you pay do win. have cancer. So oh. pay to win if you do. Have yeah. Cancer. Wow. It's you're a really very... you got to pay to get that checked. Right. You, you got to get that checked. Um. No. What I've been playing is still Mario Plus Rabbids. Talked about that a little bit. Originally, I was kind of like iffy on it. I've grown to love it, and then I've kind of gone over this hill where it was super duper fun, and now it's gotten like ridiculously difficult and challenging. Oh, just throw I, it away! It's an imbalance. It's a oh balance my gosh, issue. This sounds like a balance yeah, issue. I know, yeah. right? You play it on normal. If it doesn't work right, throw it in the trash. Oh man, as soon as it gets hard, I shrink wrap it and sell that. it back to GameStop. I yeah. never said that. That is a good idea. Um, <laughs> which GameStop wouldn't take it anyways, but. Um, <laughs> They could probably give you ten cents for it. They'd be like, "Oh, you spent sixty bucks on this. Here's ten. Here's a ton. And try to sell it back to you. <laughs> yeah. Do you want it for fifty five ninety nine or fifty nine ninety eight? So, so you hate the um, game now? No, just I just like pray or no. I I like it quite a bit. It's just hard to want to finish it because the game's really good about checkpointing most of the time. But I'm at a battle where you fight one battle, it launches you into the next battle with a boss that's incredibly difficult. And if you lose that battle, you have to fight the first battle again before you fight the boss. So you have to at least spend 10 to 15 minutes fighting one battle before you get to another, and the boss kills you instantly if he hits any of your guys. Huh. So the whole the whole challenge is you're trying to get your guys in rows around him that are able to shoot him, and then he gump, comes running at you if you do any attacks on him. So you've got to like, kind of like keep pulling it. Is him. part of this your desire to not have any characters die in the fight? No, 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 because that... Because it doesn't matter in this got, game? Because nah, it's not yeah. like, what was it, Fire Emblem, that yeah, if they Fire die, they're X-com. permanent? Uh, yeah. Fire, XCOM. Fire Emblem, you can, you can turn that off. You can choose off. that, yeah, now. But, no, it's not like that. I mean, you do get, like, more gold, which you use to buy stuff if you get it, but I don't care about that. I was... I'm fine. If I get one guy alive and beat this, I'm mm-hmm. fine, but he just kills your guys instantly. So Who's in your party right now? I have Mario... Well, I mean, you can switch whoever you want in, but right now my mains that I've been trying with is Mario, Luigi. Tell me and, about who you can switch in first. <laughs> <laughs> and Rabid Mario. But uh, Rabid I think Mario. next time I'm going to try is Mario, Luigi, Rabid Yoshi, because mm. I haven't got real Yoshi yet. I'm assuming he's right around the corner because he's my last character in the lock. I'm at the, like, the end of the game. But yeah, there's Mario, 
uh, Luigi, Peach, and Yoshi. And then there's Rabid Mario, Rabid Luigi, Rabid Peach, and Rabid Yoshi. It is the weirdest. Are there just straight Rabbids as well? Yeah. Those are the ones you're fighting. And then there's also Rabbids who are just doing silly things like going to the bathroom and rubbing their butts on stuff. Like literally this is probably Sounds a lot like your mobile game. Yeah. <laughs> my mobile game that I made up. Um, but beyond that, I played a little bit of destiny Two, not enough to really get. Now I'm, I want to say just, I want to point out the lack of peach usage because she's always the best character. So I want to use Except her. Except in Mario Kart or Are any you other kidding me? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I want to use her, Poppy. but, uh, but Mario plus rabbits won't allow you to use three human characters. Right. So they force you so to have like a rabbit action, affirmative wabbit. Yeah, it's actually, be oh yeah, yeah. It would be. They are forcing you to use another race. It doesn't matter about gender. Yeah, and they, uh, they, you have to have Mario in your party. Luigi is the only sniper in the game, so I'm oh, like so kind of stuck. Your team is pretty pre-picked, then, right? Pretty, well, I mean, you could not have Luigi in some battles; it won't matter. But when you have a boss that if he gets near you, kills you instantly. You need like the long range guy or else you can't beat him. Mm. The negative thing is Luigi also has the lowest health. So you're constantly battling like if anybody shoots him, he dies. And once they die, there's no way to heal him. But uh, Peach can heal. So it's kind of like this. I really want her in my party, but she can heal and she's short range. So See, she has like a shotgun. They made in Super Mario Run, Luigi is hands down the best character. So he's got his time. Yeah. Ditches yeah. for Peach. Well, don't you remember Year Luigi a few years ago I, from I Nintendo? <laughs> it's the silliest. I think the only thing that came out was Luigi's Mansion, Dark Side of the Moon that year. And it was somehow and called New the, Super Luigi Brothers oh, or whatever. Yeah, oh, the yeah. DLC for the Wii U game that everyone bought. And that Mario Kart meme with Luigi's angry face. Oh, that's that's in this game. That is in this game. He also dabs, I think is the dance move it's called. Dabbing? Yeah, that. Yep. Everybody who's the, watching this the listener, live. Jake just saw that. <laughs> Jake, Jake, we know you're out there, my bro. We, we know you're up you. there, Jake. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's a good game. I do want to mention Destiny 2 real quick. So I beat the first uh, mission, and then it puts you in like this social zone called the farm. And it's it's a lot better than the previous Destiny because I, no, I heard it was interesting because I remember you were saying that you played Destiny two for ten hours and realized it was just Destiny one. <laughs> <laughs> I played it for ten minutes, but uh, ten hours, ten minutes is probably. What does the farm do? Is it like a hub world? Type? It's yeah. So in Destiny one, they only had one hub in the entire game. So, so you, you go can to these... say you bought the farm. Yeah, so you can oh, say wow. you bought the farm. So they had one hub. It was called the Citadel, I want to say, or something like sci-fi like that. And you go there. Pick up your quests. You do all your like stuff. Mass Effect Citadel. Yeah, I think no it's, it might have been called. No what if it was? Might have been called the Tower or something. What like if everyone, that, all it, of your dead characters in Destiny, become keepers? Yeah, that'd be <laughs> awesome, man. That's a Mass Effect reference. I actually don't uh, remember or awesome. don't know. The little frog guys who uh, who work on repairs for the Citadel, and no one knows who they are. What? How they I got there? Was this in Mass Effect One? Oh yeah. Yeah, they're in Mass Effect One, but I think you learn about them more in Two. I don't remember well, these they're characters. They're definitely in one. Yeah. Okay, well. They look like chameleon frog boy men. I yeah. The only character... They look like those robots in Star Wars, the bad ones, the prequels, where the robots that, like, roll. Oh, but they, but they don't, they don't roll. They're just... When they're, like, open, they mm-hmm. look like that kind oh, of... Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't remember them. I do remember that. I imagine them all talking like the car- the grasshopper from Rescuers. Oh, <laughs> yeah. soup. Pisu. I uh, I think the only character I remember that they kind of cut out of Mass Effect was after one was Elcor. Like I feel like they're no longer in any of the Mass Effects. Like you maybe run across one of them. Yeah. No, there's there's a lot of side quests with Elcor. I mean they're hard. They're like floating jelly elephants. Yeah, like, I those like are the uh, those are the Malcor. 
the Elcor I thought, are the big guys who don't have emotions. And yeah, yeah, those guys. And yeah. They say, like the Malkar are the, are like the, the jelly guys. I'm thinking of, hold on. This You're is thinking a, like the jelly, the Hanar. Yeah, oh, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I am, I'm thinking I am of the thinking, Hanar. Oh, I'm thinking okay. of the Hanar. Okay, Hanar are the pink dudes. They're the guys who have no emotion, and they say, this serious. One, they, they, no, those are the Elcor. The, oh, okay. The, like the, the Hanar say, this one thinks this. Yeah, oh, I don't like remember. I'm, I'm, I was thinking of the Hanar, but the Elcor, they have those in the other games, too. Those are the elephant-looking guys. Yeah. I feel like you don't see them after Mass Effect 1. Like, Not I as much. I didn't play Andromeda very much. They I, probably didn't like, test well. They don't, have, I don't like, have, they don't have like really any of the aliens in it. And I think they explain the most awesome way ever where like, their spaceship got missing or something yeah. like that, so it, it didn't travel with the rest of the races. Wait, I just love that. Isn't that a, a giant bombcast bit when they're talking about like what the DLC will be for Andromeda oh, that before it was not got, announced? That they all caught up? Yeah. I, I don't know, but I just love that idea. I would love to play a Hanar in a game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it would just be fun if you got a Hanar Especially in Especially if you could do romances. <laughs> you just hold like nine guns. Cause this one is being aroused. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that's thinking about a great game that's sadly no longer a great series. Um, not no. from one game. It's still a good series. I, it doesn't, I Andromeda mean, doesn't really count. Star Wars is still yeah. a good series. Star Wars had three bad movies. Yeah, I mean, I guess we could call it a good series. I do like four, five, six. Mass Effect Andromeda is like when you have a gold series and then you're like, it's like, you know, your dumb uncle's like, hey, <laughs> can I... Can I write a story in your universe? Yeah. And he's never he's you? never written before <laughs> in his life. <laughs> he doesn't even know what a book is. He hasn't, <laughs> had, a, he hasn't had a job in years. And he writes a children's novel yeah. for, adults. for adults. Based based in, on your lore. And that's all Mass Effect Andromeda is. <laughs> that, <laughs> because that's the team they gave it to at Bioware. Yeah. They're like, hey, this is our biggest series right now. Let's give it to our bad our bad designers. Uh, Sheila, can we get the uncles in? What's yeah. a what's a game? <laughs> like, you want to make a new uh, math game? game? Uh, yeah, yeah. Let's Google what a game is first. <laughs> no, um, but no, yeah. we have a friend that likes everything. Oh, like, yeah. yeah, and and he doesn't like. He's like, it crushed my soul. It's I don't. I've know only how heard you... him say that phrase one other time, and it was for that dinosaur movie with Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he does love everything. He's somebody who will give every single. He was like the guy who, before Shadow of Mordor came out, got reviews. Was like, I can't wait to play it. And you're like, this looks like Assassin's Creed. How could anybody be excited to play a crappy Assassin's Creed ripoff? Wait a minute, Shadow of Mordor is amazing. Well, before, I think there was... Yeah, he came out, he was like way into it. He was like, I remember talking to him months before the game came out. Oh man, I can't wait for Shadow of Mordor. I mean, I I think I didn't have a system for it at that time, but I was in that boat because I thought the Assassin's Creed well dried up somewhere between one and two. But that's why I thought it looked dumb because it just looked like another one of those games they were making and then they then you kind of I meant see, I I don't think there's anything wrong with that game concept. I just think the Assassin's Creed games in particular are bad. And that's what he's saying. Yeah. And that's why he's saying he wasn't stoked for I, it. I was kind of over it because that was by, I, I want to say Shadow Mordor came out with Assassin's Creed 4. I know we're like getting off into weird stuff anyways now. but um, we when love Bla- getting off into weird stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah. In case you guys didn't hear that, he said, you love getting off into weird stuff. I like. Oh, you, um, oh, because he was far from the mic. Yeah, he's far away oh, from the okay. mic. I just wanted to get all of our listeners in on that. Um, but <laughs> To help them. To help like, what them. What is that sunny episode where Dennis is like, I'm going to help you get <laughs> I'm going to help you get Oh, off. yeah, where he pretends to be Brian Lefebvre. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to be getting off, okay? <laughs> got to get under his skin. 
But anyways, we're going to take a quick breaky-poo. We're going to come back with some stocks, some news, and some sweet other jazz. Badooch! Hey everyone, venture into the pop culture cosmos today, where you'll hear our conversations on different topics within the world of movies, TV, video games, comic books, technology, board gaming, and more. You'll also get a taste of some of our other shows within the cosmos as well. So come on and join us each week as we delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. back ready to break some bread my bros um this can be really really cool we haven't done this for a while but davy's been gone and we won't be keeping up to date with what we've been gaining and all that sweet stuff that we have in the ledger but oh we didn't do oh, our bet yeah we, we didn't do a bet do well we got to bring donna in on that bet so let's just get okay. back to that bet sweet, you guys forget sweet about it again stock we probably will stock corner mm. lay it on me okay do you guys want to hear about nintendi of course all right so they closed today at $43.04. Is that, I feel like that's lower than the last time we talked about them. Uh, their high was in July and it was $44.25. Oh, so it's not really. No, I mean like they've been, they've been just kind of fluctuating between like mid 40s to high 30s for the past month and a half. Nothing too crazy going on with them despite all the, I think they got some bad press for like the, um, the Nintendo, the Super, oh, the Super, the Nintendo? Super Nintendo console, we'll and, like, have, just not being able to support it. And there's like that. a ton of stuff in the news we'll talk about Nintendo because, yeah. But anyways, continue. Yeah, I was just saying, despite all that stuff, um, nothing's really changed too much with them. Um, same with Activision. Oh, Activision's been on an upward trend. They closed today down, uh, but so far they've they've had a pretty good uh, 2017. Of course, Activision's stock is not in dollars; it's in children's souls. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> they trade so, children's souls, and they hate humanity. Since they're evil. Well, I'm I'm loyal to Blizz, so I I know that it's a pretty it's pretty separated in terms of you know management. Yeah, Activision has say at the end of the day, but there's a lot of autonomy there yeah. for a subsidiary. Blizzard Blizzard is like Snow White living in the castle of that bitch. <laughs> Exactly. Just you know, like the movie, man. I can't. I, if I had so a dollar, Activision keeps making Call of Duty eat that transformation, you know, spell, and yeah. he's trying to give everyone apples. Man, that's all apples they of do. Death. And Just... then some random dude has to kiss him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gotta kiss him. <laughs> Is the kisser the new acquirer of Blizzard in this analogy? Like, if someone were to reacquire Blizzard from Activision, yeah. Who <laughs> yeah. Who would you be okay with doing that? Um, it actually be weird if they didn't buy themselves out and they got reacquired. Yeah, that would be weird. Zenimax. Zenimax. Do they make TVs or apps? No, they own Bethesda. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm thinking of Zenith. The Wait, uh, so Zenimax, do they, are they owned by 2K or Take-Two? No. Okay. So. Okay, because I, I, I mean, I thought don't they were all related that, to each other. No, I think, I think Zenimax. Well, Zenimax, didn't they buy a 2K and turn it into Arcane or whatever? Like I, 2K I well, 2K is a giant publisher. They're the ones who make like Mafia 3. Right, no, I know that. that. So I don't, one of the Take-2s made one of the Bioshock games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But is Bethesda... They don't own Bioshock, though. I think 2K is separate from... Yeah, no, you're I probably right. Zenimax is probably separate from all those. stuff. Because Zenimax owns the company that makes the Elder Scrolls online game yeah. as well. But they also... 
they're also kind of a bitch of a company too. They did that whole thing where the guy from Minecraft they sued him for his game title. Being oh scrolls. yeah, oh that was so dumb. They do that yeah. a lot for their games. Um, Zenimax owns a ton of game studios, actually. They're we got a lot to talk about them in the news today. But uh, what about them stocky wise? Anything cool about Activision? What's nice about Activision Zenimax Zenimax. is that they don't really have an identity. Yeah, like Activision. Like when you think yeah. Activision, you think like Bobby Kotick. You think Bobby <laughs> Kotick. You think like Call of Duty rehashes. Yeah, he's just like a bat. With Zenimax, they're just like a entity that own. Like you, you think Bethesda. Yeah, like, and they. I mean, as many problems as Bethesda's newer games have been having, like I feel like they're still allowed to make the games they want to yeah. make. It technically, cool. th- so is Blizzard. And Blizzard has yeah. its own identity separate from Activision, of course. But aside from this table. Who thinks Bethesda has problems? Because Fallout Four was widely successful, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it was pretty. It was pretty clear, yeah. critically not that. Yeah, it was critically. Yeah, it was the, successful as a yeah, yeah money making. It, it still, thing. It still yeah. made money, right? Yeah, I mean, it's like yeah. a movie getting bad reviews, but still selling a ton yeah. of tickets. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. the bigger problem, I think, when that stuff happens, isn't like the game that comes out. It's the next game. Is that they now had this game that got bad reviews, and then the people who also agreed with those reviewers might not buy Fallout Five. Not, you know what I mean? Not that's right away. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll we'll Fallout see. I mean, five. That's still there's still an Elder Scrolls in between there, right? Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, yeah. yeah. They're being really weird about that one. I mean, there's so much sentiment. We'll we'll cover but that. There's stuff a lot pretty... of there's a lot of Fallout Four hate more so than like because yeah. Fallout Three has a lot of hate from like hardcore yeah, Fallout hardcore fans. Old, old but most people Fallout love fans. it. Like but, I love it. But it's it. a it's an awesome game. And then like those are the people that myself included that worship New Vegas. But Fallout Four. Like even Fallout Three fans hate it because it's like, yeah, it's just, just there's a lot of unnecessary stuff in yeah, it. Yeah, I mean we've I, all I played, played it. Yeah, I played probably thirty hours of Fallout Four and I just couldn't. Like yeah. once I got introduced to the whole house building sim yeah. stuff, I just barfed and put it away. That's yeah. kind of I'm at the same thing. I played it's about like thirty to forty hours. Yeah, you. exactly. But no, that's I hate doing. This. It's like micromanaging. It's just yeah, yeah it's, it's just not fun. Not fun. And at they all. didn't they didn't level, they didn't do a good job of like, like organizing areas in that game because it was when you want to free explore like you're supposed to do in a fallout game like you don't want to get quests all over the place and then try and do any of them and just die constantly yeah Yeah, i felt that way too and then you also don't want to go somewhere and then have a settlement get attacked immediately and then you have to go warp to the settlement and then save it yeah Yeah. i mean my greatest fear i've already mentioned on this podcast is that i heard that they wanted to put that kind of shiz in skyrim ah man and if they do that in the next elder scrolls it's going to be the worst game that would be terrible i i would hope because okay so because bethesda is so i think responsive to fan type stuff Mm -hmm. and and they're very sensitive to what people want i.e giving people like map editors or whatever when Mm -hmm. like with the older elder scrolls games i don't think that they would do that i i think that would be i I hope okay because okay so zenimax owns them like activision doesn't own them but ea doesn't own them yeah but the reason why i go is just because like recently and i do want to get actually i want to ask you a stock question in a second but recently they created the creators club do you guys know that? Creation it's Club, I think. Creation Club, yeah, okay. It's either Creation or Creation. Sounds creators, sacrilegious. But yeah. it's it's paid mods. And from from what I understand, as of right now, it's okay. They allow you still to download free mods, and they allow pay mods. But the fear that a lot of people have is that in the future, they won't allow free mods, and they only allow paid mod content. And, I, I mean, it makes sense as a business to do that. You know, like, this is stuff that people are making. Why not also monetize it? 
but that's it. well this is only it's only a console reality because there's always gonna be people making mods on pc yeah yeah pc market's always harder to do but the thing is uh bethesda's also allowed console players for the first time ever to enter i mean they've done a lot of great things they allow console players to download mods like fallout 4 and the skyrim remaster whatever are the only console games that allow you to mod the game and i think that's pretty awesome yeah it's really cool yeah. So I'm just worried, though, for the future, because ZeniMax is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. What? Okay, do people actually like it? Because what if they just turned it on? Like, what if it was just a mode you could have? You could have, like, settlement mode. Or... Well, that's what, I, that's what I would hope, that it would be, like, a DLC. Yeah. Um, because when it's required, that's the yeah. problem. I mean... Yeah, if it's, if it's in the game, like, if Fallout 4 didn't have half of the missions where you had to build stuff to finish the mission... And there, I could have cared less. There are people that like it. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, then I, okay. For and those it's, people. it would be in, I can imagine settlement building. I would hate, see, I hate the micromanagement of like, oh, your settlement's attacked. It's like, well, I'm freaking busy right now. Yeah. I'm yeah. Like, doing stuff. It's not that's like I'm annoying. But for, I imagine that the interfacing of settlement building is a lot kinder on PC than it is on console. Yeah. I can definitely see that. Yeah. Because I played Fallout 4 on console and. Yeah, and I, I think it'd be better. And mods do a few things that make Fallout 4 a lot more bearable. Like, you can turn off the weight limit, which in Fallout 4 was unbearable because you'd be traveling it's around really and you'd want to pick up stuff and yeah. you'd instantly run out of space. The negative about that is if you're an achievement a hunter like me, <laughs> the second you turn on mods, uh, it bans all yeah. achievements and trophies. It makes sense, though, because yeah. you get all the stuff. Real quick, though, before we exit stocks totally, I want to know, did Activision go up this week? Because of Destiny 2, like we mentioned, it came out and it's got a huge player base. There's there's a company that no longer has an identity, is Bungie. Yeah, man, it's so weird. But I mean, Destiny Bungie is completely lost in the ball sack of Activision. <laughs> yeah, it's a game. It's a you know, I mean, I still think Destiny has great shooting mechanics, but it's oh, it's just, not that the game is not designed well. It's just that like yeah, you know, it just doesn't feel like it's its own. Thing. Like I even in reading all the stuff about Destiny Two this week, I didn't even remember. Like I didn't think of the company Bungie once. Yeah, it's it just feels like it's Activision. So their stock did go up, but it was mostly in connection with their earnings, which were okay. which were really positive. Um, their, when, what? When will we see winter earnings? Sorry, back on you. Oh, they are, they they did their earnings um, in the summer. Uh, August third was when they announced their earnings, and their their stock has gone up seven point six percent since then. So yeah. their stock is on an upward trend, but like there wasn't a direct correlation to uh, Destiny, Destiny Two. Mm-hmm. It's um, video game stocks are strange because I think we talked about this before. Like, it's not it's not so much announcement driven. It's not like day to day. It's um, it's a lot of like geopolitical stuff. It's a lot of um, earnings type things. It does. It also has a lot to do with like what the market is saying. Like, oh. Forbes made a really nasty article about Nintendo today, so they're, they're, they'll take a hit. It's it's more like that. It's um, and just because a game is released, I think you need to wait a little bit longer to see what the sales are ultimately going to be. Yeah, because the people running stocks aren't gamers for a lot. No, of No, well, yeah. they're not. They're not gamers for one, um, which is which is true of almost any investor though, because like you can't be a master of every industry that you invest right. in. You have to go off of hearsay trends geopolitical stuff things that don't really have an effect on the actual game and then with a combination of like things that actually do um are impacted by by the studio so it's kind of like a weird like just stocks in general are just kind of weird but um that's why you don't it's not like a direct science like oh this game was released today it will probably do well their stock should go up it's not it's not always like that you have to kind of look at like everything as a whole and what the trends are for that particular day yeah, it's just, it's still like 
boggles my mind because I assume their stocks are going to go up higher because uh, Call of Duty World War II is actually kind of, you know, people are looking forward to that. And then Dece- and Destiny 2 is selling crazy. So, but the like you said, stocks are really just people's ideas of what something should mm-hmm. sell. Yeah, it's like so what it's de- worth. Yeah, so if Destiny 2 doesn't meet those numbers, then... And, yeah. that's, and that's really where the, um, the quarter analysis will come into place and like how well they do in the next quarter's earnings because... All of the sales for Destiny Two will be incorporated in that in this quarter that's coming up. And if their quarter, if they if they miss their earnings projections, then their stock will go down most likely. How much do subreddits affect these? Stock oh, earnings? that's uh, that's the sixth factor. <laughs> that I forgot is it. to mention. Subreddits, not even the main Reddit, just Actually, a smaller subreddit. One one factor, joking seriously, that I that I did miss is um, leadership changes. Oh. If um, if like a CEO. Uh, leave. steps down or is asked to leave or something like that and, and they were well liked or if a CEO or, or high ranking official sells a ton of their stock it um, is companies generally take a, a direct stock hit for that oh. now what about articles from thegamer.com <laughs> That's this the, is actually titled, what I was going to bring up titled like 15 creepy theories about your favorite Nintendo games I think if any of those if any of the games of whose studios are publicly traded, there will be a direct correlation. <laughs> the gamer yeah. is what stock analysts look for. <laughs> They're the Forbes of game studios. Real quick, yeah. tell me what these 15 creepy Nintendo whatever you just said was. Yeah, did you know, allegedly, allegedly. the Pokemon's coughing and wheezing are the result of failed experiments to synthesize ghost types by Team Rocket? Oh, man, this guy's getting to the hard truth. Hey, I can see that. <laughs> now that may sound like an absurd notion concocted by a nut job, and that might be because it is. Because <laughs> oh my gosh, are you reading this? I or was reading you? that article. Wow. Yeah, um, professional. <laughs> and and here's where this this whole article falls apart. But it's not my job to judge the foolish musings of my fellow gamers. Stating right there that this is not like a like an like he's digging into Nintendo's shady past. He's just taking fan theories and like making them seem real. Is this oh. guy like though just like a subredditor I think or this, something? This has got to be the same guy that wrote that like Square Enix said that Final Fantasy is not all in the same universe, but they're wrong about their <laughs> own property. Here's ten theories why. Like, do you have more from the gamer? Because if not, we have one other person that I feel bad making fun of, but it was just too funny, and we got to talk about it this week. There is um. There is another one. Apparently, uh, Shigeru Miyamoto has hinted that every Mario game is just a play and they're all actors because of the the uh, curtain in Mario 3. Yeah, oh. I read that for like yeah, one second and I decided to and I realized turn it it's off. It's the same as Mario no longer being a plumber. I don't care. Yeah, who like, cares? I don't care. But, but that what, doesn't what, affect again, the the evidence that goes to support this is that nobody can save the princess every time. <laughs> wow, you can't argue with that because it's nothing. Yeah, yeah. So unless you got another the gamer, I got. Oh, be- I've got fifteen of these creepy. Oh, theories. we're gonna have to. <laughs> we gotta skip those. Choose your best one soon before we get to back. No, they're that. all bad. <laughs> I want to bring up. Uh, did you guys get to watch a clip of someone playing an excellent game coming out actually very soon this month? Cuphead. Super Cup, Cuphead, Super Cuppy. Cup, Cuphead. Oh yeah, Cuppy Boy. There, yeah, I watched that. There was a professional journalist. This guy might, must be a stock investor. <laughs> yeah, and I, I almost, I, I don't even want to say his name because he's, you say know, it. why? <laughs> it's the public yeah, domain. Dean Takahashi, and he seems is dumb. I, <laughs> I read like his article trying to defend himself, and he seems like a really nice guy, but 
if you if anybody listening to this gets a chance to watch Cuphead Dean Takahashi on YouTube within five minutes, if you're not laughing at someone playing this, I, you haven't turned it off. Before I realized how like that it's actually him being totally bad, I was like, oh man, this game is so got to be like poorly de- poorly designed. Like the mechanics <laughs> don't work and. <laughs> I was watching without audio, and I was I was like, "Oh, maybe he's just doing a bit, and he's making <laughs> jokes the whole time, nope. and nothing, no, nothing, nobody talking." I mean, that was a brutal tutorial. That, that, uh, that jump painful. dash thing he had to do. Oh my gosh, that was so bad. <laughs> that was like before I understood that he's actually bad, like not even intentionally bad. I thought like, "Oh man, this game like doesn't work. You can't yeah. do it. You can't jump and you dash. You can't beat the tutorial." I loved it because the tutorial actually looks really well made, where they have a picture showing you how to jump dash, and then the buttons right below it. Yeah, and it's like all you have to do is like look right ahead and press those buttons. Um, but I just wanted to bring that up for you, sweet listeners. Please, YouTube. This. I'm super excited for that game, though. I can. It, it looks yeah. amazing. It looks awesome. The co-op, man. That there are not a lot of non-Switch games I'm really excited for. I know I've become a Switch biased person recently, but it and Cuphead and South Park stick a, or South Park fractured butthole and <laughs> player Which no is a thousand dollars to buy by thousand, the way thousand dollars okay, okay speak your grief it's okay. not that bad it's I'll awful. I'm gonna come up with a rebuttal was it like quick. one of those early access pay 80 it's, bucks no no, no if you want to buy but if you want to buy pre-order the digital not the physical deluxe edition the deluxe digital edition okay. which just comes with a season pass and tally it's ninety dollars Okay. Wow. Okay. But real quick, Season I just I have to rebuttal this because rebuttal this. Rebuttal. There this. is the normal aversion, which aversion. is aversion, <laughs> which is sixty dollars. Okay. And then the season pass is probably going to be thirty anyways, right, man. Right, but that's so the whole like, point of pre. That's the, that's the thing. When you pre-order a deluxe yeah, you edition, get a deal. you should be getting a deal. I mean, no one else does that though. Yeah, like, everyone else does that. Every, Destiny did it. Well, well did it by yeah, like ten bucks not. or something. That's what I'm saying. Like, ten bucks. It should be if it's going to be that. It should be eighty bucks. Who made this Ubisoft? Because dude, right? it's yeah. not. If it was a physical edition, I would understand. Yeah, I no, I agree that digital games are way too expensive. Yeah. but they don't want to cut their like they don't want to get none of the physical retailers like. GameStop to stop supporting and selling their stuff. Right, but I'm just saying for so, a digital deluxe edition, it is insane. I, I paid 90 high. for Destiny. There was one, I forgot which one it was, but there was one deluxe edition for but the original. But how many, how much, bucks. how much like in-game stuff did $90 come with for Destiny? It came with the two DLCs. See, yeah, this, yeah, that's, that's actually terrible also. I mean, but yeah. normally so. like when I buy like a Dragon Age deluxe edition, I'm getting like tons of access to like really powerful ar- armor early in the game. Yeah. And all this kind of Mass stuff. Mass Effect armor. My, yeah. but so you get all that. You get all that cool stuff. Yeah. Well, you is, get Tally as a buddy. That's kind of cool. I mean, yeah, like a whole buddy. Thing. Like you be... don't even get him unless you pay for the. Yeah. I think you can get that though on the normal edition too, right? The, I think it's any pre-order bonus gets you the Tally. I I hope so. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I didn't get a chance to check, but my biggest thing now is after how much I got burned with Destiny One, I refuse to buy any season passes now. Before like I hear of all of the content that's what i'm saying a 90 dollar game had nothing to do with the season pass it used to be like you know even final fantasy 15's like deluxe edition yeah uh, that didn't come with the season pass that was an annoying one yeah i don't mind if they don't come with a season pass none of the dragon age games came with a season eight season pass but they came with stuff that made the game worth getting pre-ordered yeah you know you get a soundtrack you get all this stuff but this is just a season pass, and it's like exorbitantly expensive. Well, I don't know, man. I'm not. I don't want to disagree with you that long. Cause I want to move <laughs> on, but I just think it's they're not even the worst offender. Gears of War to me is still the worst. I mean, I love Gears of War Four. I think it's a great game, but to me, they are the worst uh, season or the worst uh, pre-order bonuses ever. Where 
the if you paid for the ninety dollar version of the game, you got it four days early. Otherwise, you didn't get yeah, it early. Terrible. To me, that was like that's the only thing that Microsoft's been doing that bothers me is that they've recently been doing, hey, if you pay for this game for the deluxe edition, then you get it five days early. And there's a lot of people want to play the games, so they do it, you know. Yeah. But yeah. Anyways, though, I want to actually get into some sweet news. There's been a lot of stuff. We didn't get a chance to talk about this, but an old favorite, Secret of Mana, is getting a re-release, like a remake, actually, for PS4 and, it, and Vita. It does not look that good. I think it looks okay, and I think it's going to be on Switch, so I'm really it's excited for it. It's a true remake? It's a we true remake and not a port? We don't know that it's going to be on I'm Switch. I am almost... I mean, we'll talk about the Switch, new, the Nintendo news soon, but I am almost positive it will be. Um, like, everybody and their mothers right now is trying to throw stuff at it, so... But uh, I wouldn't. It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. It's gonna. It's gonna be not like uh, it's the same. Basically, over the last until recently, the Mana series, Seeking Denetsu or whatever, has yeah. developed a like really beautiful like art style that's extremely yeah, distinct. It was amazing. Extremely distinct. Really gorgeous. Really just super cool. Like games like Legend of Mana, Children Legend of Mana, of Mana. is probably the best. I'd yeah, say art style. Even, even the strategy game Heroes of Mana, they all abided by this like aesthetic that was awesome. And then for these remakes they did with Adventure yeah. of Mana, that's the one. Secret of Mana, they just look like shitty mobile games. And they don't they're just what it is is it lacks any all of the aesthetic and charm. Um, it looks like a fun like it looks fun and it doesn't look bad, but it's like you know, it's yeah. like a it's like a DJ remix of a song that's already good. It's like, like toned into like different aesthetics that don't really make it better. They just, I just think compared to like the final fantasy six and final fantasy five mobile uh, remakes, like yeah. I think it's so much better. And considering that they put those out, I, I expect the worst from them, you know? Yeah. So, well, for, the, the other thing is, is hopefully it doesn't have the same like physics as the adventure of mana remake because was that not good? I didn't get a chance. It has, to play it, it has, it's, it's not. It's cool, and the music's cool, and it's it's a cool game. But the sort of they they remade that. Yeah, for Game Boy Advance, I remember sort that. of mana sort of with amazing. the art style, and that game was amazing. It's yeah. like, it's just it's just like disappointing. I think they're just doing this because it's easier money instead of investing into that series, which is like iconic. Yeah, I'm I'm just excited, I guess, because to me, it doesn't mean like Secret of Mana. I can always go back and play Secret of Mana, but now they're re-releasing it. Hopefully on Switch, it's going to have the three-player co-op. On systems that it's actually easy to play three you have players to on. You have to download a new app. You have to download a new app. But I mean, the thing is, is just is it going to be like how op, like how much will like someone like me at least would play it? I'll still get it. Yeah, it's a given that I will get this remake. Well, it, but there's there's probably a chance that I'll play it, maybe even halfway or or all of it. And then anytime I play that game for the rest of my life, I'm going to play the Super Nintendo version because it looks better. Yeah. And once they bring those classics to Switch or whatever, I think I'll probably agree with you. But if they bring this game to Switch, I'm going to pick it up. But I actually want to get into Nintendo news because you mentioned this in stocks and all the stuff that was going against them, Dave. And they, you know, a lot of people were really upset about the Super SNES Classic. And this could just be them talking because they've. I feel like they've talked in the past, but I feel like they normally don't. And Nintendo's that's what, never talked before. <laughs> well, I feel like they normally don't like say the right stuff, but this time they did. They mentioned that there might be some Switch uh, shortages during the holidays. However, yeah. they're bringing back the NES Classic, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, not like something that I actually wanted, but hey, a that's lot of people cool. will buy it. Yeah, though. a lot of people want it originally, and I think it's gl- it's great that they're doing that. And they're extending the SNES Classic. 
throughout. Extending the amount of time that they were yeah. going to be making it. Yeah. And they're, they said that you should not buy any scalped ones because they should have them all out by the end of the season. Like enough. I would, people. I would like to get one. I even yeah. have a raspberry pie and I might still get it Yeah, because the pie will, I think I just don't trust it. It's a little bit fickle yeah. a little bit, but it is awesome obviously, but I would just be able to keep the nintendo for a lot longer yeah. I feel like. it's only 80 bucks it's yeah. like the price of a game and like the, the main app, issue is so. they just didn't do a great job of choosing games for it they could have chosen better they ones but they good chose job. pretty good they, did, they don't have liked... secret of man they don't have chrono trigger no, they have secret of man oh they, they do? don't have chrono trigger that's yeah. the only oh, game they that... don't have they only what have else donkey... would you want on there they only have donkey kong country 2 right no they only have one they oh. don't have two or three yeah. Okay. So, I could do without three, but so here's the thing. Yeah, there's games like Uneracers and Clay three. Fighters. I wouldn't play it nearly as often. I but... would pick three over some other games on yeah. there. Yeah. But actually, I don't have to have it. To be fair, like it's hard to choose over other games because unless you want to get rid of Street Fighter, which is still a pretty good fighting game, the list is pretty solid. I mean, Street Fighter though. Like, are you really yeah, going to be Fighter, having buddies better, over to there's play? There's better it? remakes of Street Fighter. Yeah, for sure. Sure. I'm not d- disagreeing with that, but I'm just saying like there are very few games I'd actually want to cut from that list it wasn't like the nes classic whereas like there was a ton of games i didn't want at all and very few actually wanted well how did you even play nintendo regular nintendo very often i I owned one as a kid that's actually the first you play like paperboy and i played paperboy i played mario i I mean mario one two and three and Mm -hmm. paperboy and a few others but yeah again nes i i feel like games just aren't as memorable outside like mega man on snes no it's not oh which would be awesome but then you'd be getting four games and their nes classic would be essentially useless yeah um, but is so, Kirby's Dreamland three, I think it's like Kirby's one of the, Dream Course, which is one of my favorite. That's an games amazing ever. game. Yeah, yeah. but Dreamland so three is like one of the best looking games ever. So they chose they chose All Stars and Dream Course, but not Kirby's Dreamland three. Oh, and man. I can live with that. I love Dreamland Dude, three, Kirby's, but I mean, it's, just, it's like Kirby's Dreamland three is just a Super Nintendo marvel. It looks but I mean, so good. But I mean, All Stars and Dream Course are good, and they were only going to put twenty games on it. All-Star. So it's like it's these are hard choices. You know, yeah. they should have made it. 30 or 40 or whatever. You should have but... made it pick your own game and pay $100 extra and yeah. everyone would have gone ape over it. If you could pick the 20 games that you wanted, people... Or 30. If it's 100 bucks, it should be at well, least whatever, 30 or Whatever so, yeah. the price was. If you could just pay more to pick your own games, yeah. oh my gosh, that yeah, would be I would pay so like cool. I would pay like $300 for that. Yeah. I, I would... I realistically I'd pay about 120 but I would have to choose at least have 30 games that I could fit right. on this like Super Nintendo. You want to play 30 Super Nintendo games? I want to have them if That's I'm going to pay 120 bucks. Well, you we we're talking about 20 right. games they're all okay. good. Pick we, the price for reals. Like what is the price? Cuz we said 300, we said 120. I'd say I for me personally it'd be 120. If 120. it was 30 if you, games. If you could if you had an HD compatible Super Nintendo with 30 games on it, you would only pay $120. Yeah. 30 games that you picked. I got my Super Nintendo at home, and I could easily get like a. How much longer is that going to last, though? Those converters don't work that well. Cartridges like last. That's why they went back. Well, cartridges work, but the batteries don't last, so you can't save. It's not. I mean, it's at least not CD route we're talking about. But okay, for me, it'd be 120 (laughs) still though. So I I would pay 200. I'd pay 200 if I could have. Okay, for 30 games, I'd pay three. I think three hundred bucks. I think because because I know Eli, me and Eli are already playing Chrono Trigger. Yeah, and he really really likes it actually. So I think I would get it for him, but to do it myself, I would not do it. But for like a Christmas present, one to year. never to never have to deal with janky converters that don't work. And to deal with emulation, that I'd say three hundred dollars is totally worth it. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll. Uh, I divided. would. I if okay. Anyways, but need to pick. Isn't we don't need yeah. to agree? Why does it matter? Yeah. Well, we need to agree. <laughs> this is a house. Like divi- I, we're like daydreaming about something that uh, will never ever a house happen. House divided cannot stand. <laughs> 
who uh, said those words? Abraham uh, Lincoln. Hayes, Hayes, oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. Abraham. <laughs> uh, Daniel Day-Lewis. Daniel Day-Lewis, <laughs> as Abraham Lincoln said those words. Um, you know, Nintendo also had a Nintendo Direct this week, and normally those have been like letdowns for, I think, every time they do them, normally people are bummed out. I would say this one was pretty amazing. Were there any standouts for you guys? Did you guys get a chance to read up on it? Uh, Project Octopath was the biggest standout for me. Oh, the immediate demo that they released? Yeah, I mean, just the, just the game. The it looks amazing, too. So in case you guys don't know about Project Octopath, by Square Enix. It looks like it's a mix of the Romancing Saga games and Bravely Default. It's made by the Bravely Default team. It's a 2D game in like a 3D world in HD. So that all sounds cool. The, oh, it looks it's amazing. It's like a Super Nintendo looking RPG yeah. with great graphics and That's eight awesome. different characters to play eight different stories through. Uh, yeah. Wow, it sounds like they're actually doing something smart for once in their yeah. life. For better or worse, they released a demo immediately so they could get feedback. This huh. could be for better or worse because if Depends the wrong PF, you get the minority <laughs> feedback and it's like, this is terrible. Make it so you can't do anything. Make more characters from right. saga. who aren't wearing clothes. Yeah, it's so... No, it wouldn't, you wouldn't get those kind of like reddit sony cocksuckers you'd get like yeah. nintendo kids that don't know anything <laughs> nintendo kids so, yeah. put more rabbits in there <laughs> yeah <laughs> there's not enough rabbits in this game for me i would have to say the thing that i mean there's multiple things golf story is a really cool looking rpg mm-hmm. they announced it's coming out this month Ooh, I, golf story looks cool yeah that's awesome like that was a game they had no date on so and then they uh announced wolfenstein 2 and doom for a nintendo switch which is kind of huge gets because that means Bethesda is backing Nintendo Switch, which means we could potentially be getting low-res versions of Fallout and the next Elder Scrolls. Guys, you could get a Skyrim remastered if you play your cards right. That's what we're already that, getting November. That'll be huge. What? Are you really? Yeah, that's on Nintendo Switch. Wait, 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 November. It's not remastered, though. It's, it's not remastered. Oh, that, okay, well, that's why I said remastered because uh, well, they're going to release the normal and then they're going to release the remastered. Uh, I don't think Switch can handle it. Switch can't handle it. It was a joke. <laughs> yeah. It was a joke. Jake, uh, Dave, let me explain these things about Switch hardware. <laughs> let, me, <laughs> let me explain jokes real quick. Let me explain a joke. No, but I think that's great. Like, I'm okay with some things as long as it's like, not that terrible like i don't own a 4k tv and i am okay if it's uh one third of us here do (laughs) one third of us here do but just like for me i don't have as much time to sit on my couch anymore so a game that i can play occasionally when i can and then pull it off and play wherever i want are we in a switch commercial right now we are in a switch i'm sorry i'm not trying to i'm not trying to sell it but i i stick by and stand remember when you first got the iphone and you that fateful text you sent me it's so easy to use i just got the new iphone it's so simple to use <laughs> perfect punctuation because it's true okay oh my gosh yeah. that was the best anything else that stood out for you donna um i wouldn't say that xenoblade chronicles 2 I, stood out i think it looks good i'm excited I think the to play character it. design looks awful yeah but i'm still excited to play it like i i, I am still excited to play it too man. um i just i wish that they were just giving us xenoblade chronicles hd That'd be cool. I think we might get that. I because think because that's. I mean, they dropped the ball with Xenoblade Chronicles X big yeah. time by yeah. giving us the guy that did freaking Attack on Titan instead of the guy that did Chrono Trigger for music. Yeah, and I, just I don't know why having a it. having a make your own protagonist story is never that fun for those kind of games because yeah. it gimps the story. Then again, I make your own protagonist might be better than uh, Boobs McGee or whoever they have for the side character in <laughs> well, Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Well, the main thing that I don't like in Xenoblade Chronicles 2 is Little Monkey Boy, who's the main character. Yeah, Rex. Yeah, um, he just looks bad. And to be honest, like as excited as I am for the game, I'm glad I got a date. The trailer that they showed makes me almost not want to play the game yeah. because it's like, well, you're a blade, and to have, or I think blades might be the support characters. Yeah, the you're only a driver. Yeah. The only thing that <laughs> makes me want to get it. 
at this point is uh, Mitsuda doing the music. Yeah. For me, it's just that, hey, it's an RPG on Nintendo made by like a company Nintendo is, I think it's third party, but still a company Nintendo fully sports. So yeah. probably going to be pretty good. Um, there was a lot more for the Nintendo Direct, but the main thing that my main come away from it is finally that, hey, they sold their four or five million or whatever they're at right now. Um, maybe consoles. even higher than that. Yeah, four or five million consoles. And so people are finally jumping ship. Like there's a new Resident Evil, or not a new Resident Evil, a Resident Evil port coming to Nintendo Switch in November. There's some sports games that people like that. There's Bethesda's Doom and Wolfenstein 2. And to me, that's cool. Like Nintendo has is been known for forever because they gimp their hardware to make like cool stuff as like the place that doesn't get any ports. You know, if you get ports, didn't the Nintendo Wii U have like fifty kagillion ports? Yeah, yeah, but then as soon as that's that was like the first like the and release, and then they stopped. The Wii U had more ports ports than owners. <laughs> more ports than owners. <laughs> <laughs> that might be true. No, but like the yeah, the original one came with tons of ports, at like the yeah. first launch yeah, titles. Yeah, the launch titles. There's and then nobody sold any, so they stopped releasing. <laughs> how how quickly? Because the the switch hasn't been out for very long, has it? It's been out since March. Since March, and it sold four to five million. Four or five million. Four yeah. or five million. I would be interesting to see how many Wii U consoles had been sold at this point. I don't know, but I know that they they capped out at thirteen million life. So yeah. lifetime. So it's. But how much of those consoles are sold within the first year? I wonder. I think they were at four or five million in the first year, but their first year is from when they released in yeah. November to November. We're right. at March and they're probably going to hit that yeah. way before March. What is Nintendo thinks that they're going to sell 15 between before the year's over. I, that's what before they said the before calendar March. years over. Right? No, no, before March. Oh, okay. That's, um, that's but I don't think they'll be able to do that. Main problem. Main reason why is there's still not anywhere yeah, you can supply. find. Yeah. I still have never seen one in the store. Yeah. It's, ever. It's kind of crazy when we were finding one for a friend Wink, 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 wink. <laughs> I literally ended up on a trip up north. I called a bunch of targets. It took me four targets, and then I called, and they said, oh, we have three. We can't hold them for you. By the time I was there 20 minutes later, they had one. Yeah. And I picked up in a town with, like, a 1,000 people, or probably more than that, but, like, a very small town. Dingerville. Dingerville, Dingsville, USA. Um, but, yeah, it's it's crazy, man. I, I'm, I'm rooting for it. Is there any other cool, uh, sweet game news you guys have been reading about? Because me, I, I've just been... I mean, the Nintendo stuff was yesterday, so it's kind of been like the main thing I'm a mom. Terra Battle 2 comes out next week. Oh, yeah. What about it? Is they they talked about it anymore? Or? Yeah, I mean, they have a pre-register campaign, so if you just sign up to get it when it comes out, it's free, but you just get a bunch of bonus items, so I did that. You didn't play the first one, did you, Brian? I played like a couple minutes. I enjoyed it's fun. it, but I, it's... I played it for like a long yeah. time for a mobile game. Yeah, I played, me too. I played it a lot. I... The only mobile game I played for a very long time was Hearthstone, and then I oh, stopped. Well, I don't like, really even count that because it's on PC. Yeah, well, I didn't play it till it was on yeah. tablet. So. I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I can't wait to hear the soundtrack. I'm sure it's going to be awesome. They've got a bunch of cool stuff coming for it, so be excited to see. Well, yeah. we we don't actually have a main topic this week. But oh, I was, was going to say what I'm excited for. Oh, tell me. Yeah, uh, the Blizzard uh, eSports Arena. Oh, yeah, in, in LA. Uh, yeah, in LA. That's going to be, be awesome. Cool. Yeah, it will be really cool. I kind of want to see something played there. Yeah, that would I, be really I think it'll cool. be cool. Um, I I mean for me esports is is kind of like real sports where if it's if it's a sport that I don't really care about I yeah. it's not fun to watch to me like which is all of them yeah <laughs> for some people here yeah Counter Strike Go is hard for me to watch I like the game but I I can't stand yeah. watching it I I don't like watching StarCraft two but oh, I, I, I love, love watching Warcraft watching three Starcraft I love too. watching uh, actually I love I loved with a D at the end playing like MOBAs and stuff like that but watching a MOBA is too slow for me see weirdly enough like. 
I well, I guess I don't actually watch the whole match of MOBAs, but I like watching the highlight reels because they're a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, watching a highlight reel, but that's like watching a highlight reel in sports. Like I still don't like most highlight reels of sports. Like, okay, well, you show me a basketball highlight reel, and I'll be like, meh. Okay, but that's just it's just you. But no, like, if you and show the, the average... rest of humanity, also, right? Okay. Basketball <laughs> is getting dropped by humans. They said, okay, by humans. Humans. I actually work with a guy named Human. But I actually want to switch our topic up to something non-game related, but we want to take a quick breaky-poo, and it's going to be a short uh, topic. Real shown. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. So anyways, we are back. We're here to talk about something that we've brought up briefly, but it's been kind of going through some major news recently. It's a different type of medium from games but games have been uh, made about it, Star Wars. And uh, we want to talk about Star Wars Episode Nine recently because they dropped their uh, famed director, Colin Trevorrow. He's made like two movies, right? Jurassic World, one of the greatest films oh ever gosh, made. he's bad. And uh, that guy is like obsessed with himself. Oh, great. That's why they dropped him because and he's like... Good. Well, because he had a mirror the whole time. He got to see himself while he's <laughs> looking at a little mirror. I'm sorry, guys. Yeah. I couldn't see the shot. This like, it is like the kind of guy that's like, you know, to the people that own, like the Disney execs that are like in charge of Star Wars, Kathleen Kennedy or whatever. Where she's like, you can't do this, or this is not good. And he's like, uh, do you know who I am? <laughs> if you're not careful, you're going to lose me. Who's that Who's that director who uh, he's like, thinks he's so awesome. He made that like Kings, like um, a Dungeon Siege movie with... Uh, oh, Huey Bull. Yeah, Huey oh, Bull. He offers to guy. fight people if they don't like <laughs> yeah. his movie. He's yeah. awesome. <laughs> um, is he like that guy or is he... A little no, because he's like artistically pretentious, even though he oh, made Jurassic okay. World, which is not an art and flick. Oh, that movie to be fair, insulting, compared actually. to his second film, Book of Henry, uh, Jurassic oh, World is considered to be like the best film ever. I oh, think Book yeah. of Henry has like a 28% Metacritic or something like that. Yeah, I guess he was in... Like, people that worked on Book of Henry say he is insanely difficult to work with. Yeah, he's insufferable. Mm. But actually, I wanted to bring it up and uh, just talk about it for a little bit longer because I wanted to talk about how they dropped two directors I actually really like, Phil Lord and I want to say Chris Miller. is the They're like the duo that work mm-hmm. on a bunch of things. And they were supposed they to be They haven't worked on that much either. They've worked on the Lego movie, 21st and 22nd Jump Street. They've got like a decent filmography or whatever, yeah. or videography. Um, but it's it's kind of a bummer that they got kicked off of the Han Solo film. But it's man. for the same reason. They're difficult but, to work with. But the thing is, though, like I'm worried that difficult to work with in Star Wars means like they don't exactly do what we want them to do, you know? And I know that's how Marvel works as well. And I'm just sick of this idea where we're getting these same cookie cutter films. I mean, the the new new Thor looks cool, so I don't want to say cookie cutter in all aspects. Yeah. You have to be careful though when you're dealing with a franchise that's as sacred as Star Wars. Definitely, that's what the, that's what Disney is doing because of the prequels. Yeah. yeah, and I'm not trying to say like, hey, let some guy make a movie where Yoda's farting the whole time, uh, <laughs> but like I, I just want to see something yeah. different, you know. And I feel like I these side cast movies are kind of a cool way to do it. Okay, that's true, but 
Star like Wars going with Ron seven. Howard to me is is like the choice of and sorry I can you off, oh, but yeah, just yeah, like that's the that's the easy choice. Yeah, that's like yeah. The, I'm sure he'd do oh, a great job. He's done good movies and he's a great director, no, but like he do would do a fun. good job. Yeah. Okay, I see what you mean. Like maybe take some chances with the with the side movies. I understand that 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 makes sense to me. But at the same time, if someone's difficult to work with, wants and and has a, a different artistic vision than what the fans ultimately want because honestly I, th- I feel like the fans are in a bigger driver's seat here than they ever are in other franchises disney is i think they have their ear to the ground on movies like this and bec- they want to make money ultimately and they know that if they piss people off they're not going to make money yeah and the problem with making han solo like a comedy flick yeah is that han solo like in his youth is supposed to be like a pretty rough dude yeah you like know? if you chris there's, pratted it and like there's gar- there's room for for comedy if but, Chewbacca is funny and yeah. like if they if they play off each other but Han Solo is is like dark and he is hard and he doesn't soften up until he meets Luke and Leia and like you know he he kind of like loosens up a little bit I I guess I agree but I just think well, that's just that's the character of Han Solo well, well yeah, I want a Han Solo who's also a comedian he's a clown <laughs> and he's no longer Han played Solo played by Jim Carrey yeah. he's played by it clown um <laughs> Nice transition. Uh, which I saw. It's the scariest thing ever. But I do want to talk more about movies soon. But I am sleepy like a dude's sleeper. We didn't even talk talk about the main part of them dropping Trevo or whatever his name is for Trevorrow? episode nine. Is that they're having J.J. Abrams come back. I heard it might be Ryan Johnson. Or Ryan Johnson? I don't know how you say his name. The guy who did Brick, who I also think it's strange that they let him do a movie. Because I liked Looper, but I don't think like any of the other stuff he's done has been like amazing. But, yeah, but he's at least he's got tighter he's got tighter script writing abilities. Wait, real quick, who's doing episode eight? Uh, who did eight? eight? Rian Johnson. Oh, he oh, is Rian okay. Johnson. So he's doing that, and then J.J. Abrams is gonna do nine. I read that J.J. Abrams is coming back. For, yeah, that's for what I read too. Nine. And somebody, I think before that, it was they were thinking it was Rian or Ryan or whatever his name. Yeah, was. they were thinking it was gonna be him. And then I think you're right. I yeah. think I read that recently. I just I don't know, man. This there's been so many shakeups over these films. It's I think planning them out the way they did was kind of bad where it's like, Hey, we announced these three young directors. Uh, psych, <laughs> you know, like we don't like them, but yeah, we'll have to talk about that more in the future. Catch on the flip side. Oh, yeah. That's uh, to us people that can feel things, it, it, uh, it hurts.